Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with, super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens, I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste and the taste is actually really refreshing and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good um, and it's good for you. So remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death Water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know h tool saves lives. Okay, welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. 
Today I have the extremely, extremely talented and extremely pregnant Whitney, Whitney Cummings. Thank you for being here. Thank you. This is awesome having you here. I'm talented at everything except making sure that IUD stays in. Oh my God. How's life? How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm glad we finally get to do this. I know. In person, uh, it's nice to see you. Baby's coming soon. The special is coming. So when this pod comes out, your special will be out it's for sure. Out. It's out. OF.TV uh, slash Whitney. It's on OnlyFans television. I okay. know everyone's like, but is it going to be buttholes and people peeing in each other's mouths <laughs> and porn and this? Nope, you're not that lucky. It's uh, actually <laughs> OF.TV. They're doing uncensored comedy. I mean, we did the roast on there. Yeah, I think that was awesome. Yeah, them. thank you. I went to that. Thank you. Right? Bert Kreischer. Roast of Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Was, that was chaos, right? It was awesome. <laughs> he was wasted. He was totally wasted. He's savage, right? He's, he's wild, man. Yeah. He's a savage. But I saw he's losing weight now and doing something. Yeah, he looks good. He yeah. looks really good. He's taking care of himself. I, yeah, I think that like dying is kind of out. Mm. Dying too young at the top of your game yeah. is not cool <laughs> anymore. You know? I, I, yeah, dying's, I don't know, dying's like a whole thing for dying's me. Dying's canceled. I know, You man. guys, stop dying. I hate death. It. There was so many of, I mean, comedians. I mean, remember it was Norm MacDonald, Louis Anderson, Gilbert Godfrey, yeah. it just kept on going. It's true. You know? We're we getting lost... older. Yeah, there's a certain point where it's like not sustainable anymore. And you're like, wait, I'm 56. Like yeah. I can't be doing four loco Zima bombs anymore. It's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I do all, all my stuff because I'm 53 and I try to stay young and stay healthy. And you then... take a really good care of yourself, huh? Thank you. That's what's up. I try. I do. I mean, people trip on my skin, but I really don't do nothing but use like Trip Luberderm. on your skin? My skin being good. You have amazing skin. Thank you, but I don't really do anything with it really. Huh. It's weird. I have no, I don't put nothing on it. Do you sleep well? Yeah. Yeah. That's and probably what about, it. What are your genetics? What's your that's ancestry? Great, I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm like a mutt. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Like, that's usually that's, that's a great question, actually. But you've been um, uh, sober for how long? My whole life. See, I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. I never tried anything. Because there's so much stress in using and you're producing cortisol and adrenaline and that's what ages you really they're like where's my fix i need it i need my weed where's yeah. the dealer like it's a good point so interesting when you see someone who is you know so many of my friends are i'm not gonna say addicted to self-diagnosed but are weed heads and they do it to chill out and i got my weed and i'm so relaxed california like, sober yeah if that ease driver is five minutes late Where's the, we gotta go. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. you're the least chill person I know when you're not stoned because it lowers your tolerance for discomfort mm. when you're not on it. So it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting. Like when they're not high, they're so much more stressed out than they would be if they didn't smoke weed at all in the first place. You know, it's interesting. Thing. So, um, are you a sober person? You know what? I'm not like actively totally sober. I, I basically stopped everything, you know, before I got pregnant. I had a, you know, I'm an ACA. It's a 12-step program for adult children of alcoholics. So it's like if you grew up in alcoholism. Okay. And I kind of just, I got, we call them para-alcoholics, like parents alcoholic, my parents were alcoholics. And then as a result, you kind of become addicted to adrenaline, cortisol, the internal drug cabinet, we call it, yeah. you know, and you find yourself just, you know, as you get older, you start dating drug addicts and you finding yourself in really dramatic situations all the time. If you need to be somewhere at four o'clock and it takes half an hour to get there, you leave it like 335 just to make sure you're going to, you know what I mean? Be in a fast and furious movie, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you're addicted to uh, perfectionism and control because you always were trying to control people. And uh, growing up, you were a parentified child. You tried to be perfect. We're addicted to work and overachieving sort of stuff like that. Stuff yeah. that's like a little more rewarded, but it's still something you kind of got to get ahead of. And it wasn't until the pandemic that I really was like, you know what? I should 
it probably would be progress in a, in a way to not be as abstemious as I am. Yeah. Um, also, you know, as a comic, like, I could never do the thing where I could drink or go on stage. Like, I was just always, you know, work was my primary addiction. Yeah. And, um, and I did kind of start smoking a little weed. And it wasn't, didn't get too out of hand. But when I did it, it felt like it was like tantamount to when people binge. Like, like um, who was on my podcast? I think it was Dr. Drew uh, came on my podcast and was talking the difference between someone who's like a drinker who has to drink every day all the time or the person who binges. They might only drink once a week or once every two weeks, but when they do, they black out. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have to do it every single day. That was yeah. kind of what I did with weed, like edibles. Like I would take an edible and my brain said, you got a dud. <laughs> take another one you got it done like it would get so specific it would be like oh the weed didn't distribute properly in the oven when they made the cookie you got one with <laughs> like i my and that's what i i heard when i would go to like double winners meetings is that people would be like you know the the voices in your head so then i'd be like i have to take another one i'd be like ah that one didn't hit I wow. just have a higher tolerance than most people. And then I would have gone through like 17 of those weed blueberries. And Jeez. so I was like, okay, that's not for me. This doesn't chill me out. Also, I found it like, I don't know, maybe it's just not a match for my personality. And people that smoke a lot of weed are like, no, but you got to do the hybrid. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can't just say weed didn't work for me. They have to tell you. They're like, no, you have to have the Rice Krispie Treat one. Like, they've always got some. The next one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah. If you just do it via tincture and you're like, <laughs> it's not a match for my brain, man. I felt like. So much of it. One out of every five times I did it, it was great. And then I was like, this is kind of a gambling addiction for me because I'd be like, okay, last week I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Then I smoked the weed. So I was like trying to recreate the high that I got back oh, yeah. then. But one out of every five times it would be a chill high. And the other four, I would be like Googling, like trying to find Shelly Miscavige in the Scientology ships. <laughs> and I would just be like texting my friends like, are you mad at me? Like I just- it, Super paranoid. Yeah. It didn't like bring out the best in me all the time. And then in- January, I've talked about this a little bit before I discovered um, after I lost a, uh, my mom and was on some grief and just trying to numb myself. I did the mushroom. Everyone's microdosing mushrooms yeah. all of a sudden and got kind of into that. And that was definitely not for me. Yeah, that's a lot of people doing that. Yeah. I've, and I it got a little out of hand for sure. Like really? I found myself. Yeah, really. So it's kind of like, get, is it kind of like emotional? Well, I was using it to check out instead of check in. Okay. You know, I think that it seems like mushrooms are, can be very medicinal for people. You can take them and have a piff. You know, I was just doing it to not feel pain instead yeah. of to expand my brain and like be more creative. I just was trying to numb myself and that's yeah. not really, and I think I also, we're, we're already compassionate people. Like for the most sure. part, people are like, oh, I'm taking this to have compassion and forgive people. I'm like, I'm too forgiving. I let people in my life after they <laughs> hurt me. I like loan people money after they've lied to me and stolen from me. I was like, last thing I need right now is more compassion. Yeah. And so I got really obsessed with Hitler. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I started... <laughs> I started getting what it's like watching reading stuff about him? Start, yeah like it's just like how did this happen yeah like I'm gonna get to the like I need to crack the case is he in Argentina yeah I was like yeah right yes I think he might be actually <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of Nazis in Argentina there is but it, I think there's do you ever see the swimming pools you can look online what? down at a swimming pool and it has a swastika in the bottom of the pool you can look online the Nazis that got out yeah like in Argentina like in, in like in the mountains you can look down you can like look the online. sandals Argentina just has like a swastika it's just a pool bottom is a big swastika you can look down from you can see it online it's crazy oh shit you shouldn't have told me my that my wife was probably doing edibles when she found <laughs> that too as well I, but they also think that his body might be in Russia 
I don't know. I don't know. I have a book about his doctor. I have a, his so art. You're obsessed I have a about book it. about his art. Well, I started taking mushrooms and I think something started happening where I was like, you know, texting friends of mine, uh, literally like the most famous people I know being like, we haven't solved Flint. Like the water in Flint is still dirty. You guys, we need to start posting. We need to start tweet. We need to use our platforms. Like I got really into like solving problems that are very out of my control. Wow. I've heard about Flint. I got very obsessed with the um, Saudis. Mm. Uh, <laughs> wow. I got into the Saudis and how they're putting money into Disney and Amazon. And you went they, deep. They just bought golf and like what they're about to buy. And, you know, there's a lot of like Chinese money buying. Everything. Are you on the dark web too? I, I'm not on the dark web. I don't know what the fuck that is. I just want to say, you know. Any website I go to, I, I make sure it gets dark, but I don't <laughs> know how to get to 4chan and 8chan and all that. It's Thank crazy God. shit. I, I don't want to see any of that shit. Oh, dude. I'd be full sound of freedom. Do you I, watch the news a lot? Do you pay attention to what's going on? I try to, but I try not to do it so much that I get desensitized. I really spooked myself, like, I don't know, a couple months ago when there was a school shooting and I just scrolled right past it and I was like, that's not good. Yeah. Like, that's not good. So maybe I need to like watch a little bit less of this. Yeah, I kind of zone. I try to not really look at stuff either and stay in my little world. That's not that hard because I, <laughs> I kind of give up at one paywall. You do. <laughs> like, it's amazing how it'll be like, are we a nuclear war with Russia? And I'm like, oh my god, are we? And it's like two dollars. I'm not paying two dollars. I'm not putting my credit card. Like I kind of know nothing because I refuse to pay three dollars for the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> That's so good. And, and what about p politics too? Do you kind of? Stay out of that or post about stuff. You know, I definitely don't post about I it. I know. I feel like this. No way. Now if I like repost, I, I reposted my friend Rappaport stuff and people flipped on me because <laughs> of that. Like I'm trying to support my friends and what's going on, but I really don't know too much about it. I'm not trying to get yeah. like, it's it's tricky, man. It's like for me and I don't mean to be too calculated. You know, I try to like trust my gut and just whatever. But at the same time, it's like as a comic, like our job is to be a respite from like the bullshit. Like yeah, I... I want people to go, every time I go to her page, I'm going to laugh. Every time I see her talk, she's going to say something that's going to make me laugh, distract yeah. me from my life. And if I start tricking people with like, now I'm going to talk about Trump or now I'm going to weigh in on politics, they're like, ugh. Like, there's enough of that. Yeah, there's enough of that. And it's there's everywhere. other people that are super cool. Like, I'll make fun of it. Like, you know, I feel like politics has kind of become like sports for dorks at this point. It's just like, yeah. it's basically, you know, the Dallas Cowboys versus the 49ers, the way people just want to fight. So there's no point in trying to get in and have any nuance at this point. And yeah. also, it's like, to me, it's so ridiculous. Like, I did this gig in um, the Hamptons. Uh, like they just there's a theater up there and I go up and it's where like where the richest people in the world live politicians yeah. it's this kind of like cosplay simulation where rich people pretend they're farmers interesting in like 50 million dollar homes <laughs> that have like windmills but like wow have you ever been to I never the Hamptons no I hear dude, stories though yeah dude different uh, world this place is like like I don't know if there's tunnels underneath the house. I mean, this is where like if there's Illuminati, if there's like deep state, like this is it. But it Damn. drives me nuts because as someone that like comes from like, you know, like I grew up half in D.C., half in Virginia, yeah, West Virginia. But it's like when rich people go to pretend they're poor, like Intr yeah. it's like they stop and they get fruit from a fruit stand but like the girl working at the fruit stand is like steven spielberg's niece like just <laughs> it's just like in order to get your trust fund we need you to have a summer job yeah. you know kind of thing and she's yeah. just like and you know they're paying like 42 dollars for like six pairs i mean it's just like wow. the whole thing is like you know but it's where like really rich people live but I like to go around and like ask like whose house is that? Like who I want the star maps of the hands. Totally. I'm such white trash. Like <laughs> I'm like, I don't belong here. I don't get this. But it's like the most 
you know, famous left wing politicians and the most famous or successful, what do you call them, prominent right wing politicians, they live right next to each other. Wow. They're neighbors. Their kids all go to the same schools. They live in all the same neighborhoods. Like they get each other's Amazon packages. Like these people are yeah. like, that's interesting. And we're all torn apart about it. Meanwhile, they're that's all a great point. Yeah. They're kind of like, you know, what are you going to vote on? It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Like it's, I don't know. It just feels so silly that, that we're all destroying ourselves and they're all kind of have houses in the same places. Yeah. I feel like that's how it should be in, in the real world off, off the internet, just having conversations and being into different things and different sides of stuff. Yeah. Politics. Yeah. But I think a lot of people want to check out, you know, and I think that it's like, it, unless you're Bill Maher or, you know, Jim Jeffries or Rogan or whatever, and you're talking about that kind of stuff, I think it's like important to not stay the same or be like, I have a brand that all sounds really corny, but I just, yeah. I don't want people to lose trust in every time I like go to her Instagram or go to her TikTok. Like I might get tricked and have to think about politics when I'm really just trying to be entertained. Yeah. And are you pretty, uh, about getting canceled and stuff like that or just posting certain things or talking about things that you always thinking about that when you write a post or I'd anything? rather get canceled than like disappoint someone yeah. or not be funny. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, I'd yeah. rather you just see the photo of me dressed as a geisha when I was 20. Like I did it. I'm fully holding my hands in like a weird racist prayer mode. I, I saw Miss Saigon. I thought it was cool. I read memoirs of a geisha. Wow. Fully. I have the photo queued up for if any of my friends get unfairly canceled to be like, dude, I'm ready to jump on this grenade so i haven't released this voting i'm in a full kimono. oh so it's not on the web yet or nothing no, wow no, it's a, i'm in a full kimono i feel like i could probably find it wow yeah it's wild but like we all did it we all had wild halloween costumes whatever like yeah i feel like everybody d does things in their life that's none of us are perfect and it's like at the time i mean i didn't i thought it was cool yeah at the time i was you know i mean I, they came after gwen stefani 30 years later for the bindi they tried to oh god it's crazy. That's why. I mean, but does anyone care? No, they tried a couple years ago. It was so silly. Dude. And who's they? I know. Who that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, these people are sick and suffering. They're. That's, it's like we've turned 500 idiots on the internet into everybody. That's a great point. And when it comes to comics, like honestly, I think that like when people try to cancel us, it's honestly we should just send them edible arrangements because it usually just makes them bigger or becomes uh you become the best pr people you don't understand you're just helping them because people go oh this person's racist and then let me see that racist joke and you're like this special is great this isn't racist this is great this is hilarious yeah. that's what happened to Chappelle. every time people try to cancel rogan or resurface old clips his his viewership just goes up shane gillis is doing arenas you know if he had not gotten fired from snl he would be doing you know vassar if he was lucky yeah. you know even uh, Louis C.K.'s back, I think. He had that big special. He got huge. an award for it or something. Massive. Just off his website. It massive. Was, I watched it. It was great. Yeah. Massive. So I feel like, yeah, it comes in waves. People getting canceled and then it's okay for them to come back. Like, Has anyone been canceled that yeah. hasn't done something illegal? Yeah. Like, who? Like, name Like, I can't. I mean, like, who's been canceled? Like, Aziz Ansari, like, that was like, it's interesting because the Aziz thing and the Louis C.K. thing, I feel like happened like kind of before Cosby, uh, there's a comedian that um, sometimes does the road with me, Ron on Hirschberg. He has a really funny joke where he goes, I think we could all agree that we owe Pee Wee Herman an apology. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is before Pee Wee died, obviously. But yeah. Like, he had he was wearing a suit in a movie theater and did it in the dark like a gentleman. You know, because so like Louis C.K. and all this stuff like happened. And then all of a sudden Cosby happened. And it was like, uh, the fact that as a society we weren't like, okay, now we have some perspective yeah. on what's actually like criminal yeah. opposed to just like creepy and kind of out of line or whatever. But um, I think it was Aziz Ansari. He kind of just like went on a weird date. 
Yeah. And, the you know, and I think that, you know, dating someone too young, you're obviously going to take the risk of someone who's conflating feelings and facts and whatever. But they kind of just like had bad sex. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why I say date older. <laughs> we don't give a shit. Like, literally, they was like the girls complained. She was like, yeah, he took me to dinner. We back to his place. We had wine and he you know was ate me out weird i was like hold on is this guy single this really happened that's what he has a place (laughs) he's had wine like who is this prince charming (laughs) like it's so like you know that's when it gets frustrating when during me too guys like well all you women are i'm like no this is 20 year olds that's it yeah it's so crazy i know that she even said that yeah she like wrote like a whole thing yeah it just was like you know, I don't know. I think this this date older women. We don't even know our Twitter passwords, you guys. Like, we don't even know how to cancel you. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's definitely a fear. You know, I think comics, like, you know, for the most part, you know, I think a more interesting sort of thought about cancellation is just like how badly we want to love, be loved, and make yeah. people laugh. And and when someone's like, "This offended me," it's like we're the first to go like, "Fuck you." Jokes are jokes, but it's also like, I just want, I want you to think I'm funny. Like, I don't want to offend anyone. You're not trying to hurt everybody's feelings, you know? yeah. But I also think we have to stop giving out our comedy for free on Twitter because, like, mm. comedy's not meant to be written and read, right? That's a good point, because, too. Because, I mean, you write... Okay, so it is meant to be written. I mean, it's not meant to be read by somebody else. So it's like half of comedy is it's written, half of it is being performed. So if I write it, put it on Twitter, the delivery is up to you, right? True. I don't know how you're going to read it. I also don't know... Comedy is all about context, right? It's meant to be delivered in a shitty club underground or in a theater in a context of we've all had a couple drinks. We're here. We know we're going to see comedy yeah. on Twitter. Like, I don't know what this abortion joke is going to be sandwiched between in your feed. True. It could be between Trump's running again, which is upsetting to a lot of people. And like Trump's going to jail. Also upsetting to a lot of people. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm coming in between. And you might be at work at two in the afternoon, like not in the headspace to hear this abortion joke or maybe you don't follow me and someone else retweeted it yeah and all of a sudden you're like this is offensive like because you don't follow comedians because you're a fucking nerd but like that so i think a lot of it's happening on twitter yeah because we're giving away comedy for free and there is something psychological about like when someone pays for something versus when they just get it for free are you on twitter i am i like yeah Sorry, I'm not like act super active. I'll like post stand up clips and stuff, yeah. but I'm not like trying to weigh in on every little thing. I like when Dave Chappelle said last year, he said, I heard they're, heard they're mad at me on Twitter, but thankfully, Twitter's not a real place. It was so good. So true. Dave Chappelle. He's incredible. He doesn't give a fuck. He's so nope. punk rock. Like, nope. He doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a fuck. And I feel like he kind of shut down all the cancel culture shit too, but just all the stand ups and stuff he was just talking about. Like, But it's also, it's like, what's going on with like, we're comics. Like, it's also, let's grow some fucking balls. Like, you're telling, yeah. like, we, it's our job to be brave. It's our, like, I, I don't also don't play the thing as like, we are the champions of free speech as long as you think I'm funny. Yeah. As long as you agree with me, I believe in free speech. Like, if you True. don't think I'm funny, you don't deserve to have free speech. So if someone's like, Whitney, I don't think you're funny. I'm like, that you get to have that opinion. You totally. Get to do that. I don't get to go like, you're an asshole because you don't think I'm funny. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of great music that I don't get. There's a lot of great art that I'm like, I don't get it, whatever. So it's like, yeah. you know, this whole thing that we're supposed to appeal to everybody. If you appeal to everyone, you're probably not that interesting. It's true. You know, I 100%. think it's like, I'd rather be loved or hated than kind of like, down the middle same 100 percent. you know what i mean because at least if someone hates me like i'm saying something interesting yeah i feel like if everybody loves you you're not you'd, something off there like if people hate you that means you're actually doing something good maybe yeah I don't know. and like i like to be able to go like you know right up to the edge or you know say shit that's a little bit polarizing also it's like i don't mean to play like the gender thing but like being a female comic like you just 
there, there was there, this is the be, like best it's gone when half the people hate you you're like oh my god half the people like me this is crazy <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just yeah. kind of you know it's it's not for everybody so i'm yeah. just happy to be here <laughs> were you so we i know you grew up in georgetown right yeah yep do you remember Smash Records? Of course. Well, The Wiz was my shit. The Wiz, yeah, the yeah, The Wiz. Yeah. Nobody beats, beats The Wiz. The Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dave Grohl was on my podcast, and we basically t we talked about music stores in D.C. for like dude. 45 minutes, dude. Smash was the shit for me going there all the time yep. as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I lived remember? in Maryland, yeah. Okay, where? St. Mary's County. I lived okay. in South Southern Maryland, yeah. Okay, nice. Do you remember Commander Salamander? Fuck yes. Okay, so... Doc Martens, all that shit. <laughs> all day. A manic panic. Dude. Let's go. Yes. So my neighbor, um, uh, shout out Wendy Ezraelson, who owned Commander Salamander. Damn. Her daughter, Zoe Ezraelson, was like my neighbor and best friend. So we got to after school every day, go hang out at Commander Salamander. And that's where we discovered like... So much music, so you know everything. The whole that was deal. like the original kind of hot topic, I would say. Like, yeah, but it was a little more everything. legit. I feel of like, of course, yeah, 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 up against the wall. That's was another the original yeah, yeah, yeah. hot topic. You're right, you're right. I feel like Commander Salamander was like a little more legit. Like more it edgy. just, just in terms of, um, if you shopped there, like no one would employ you. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Trash and Vaudeville. Remember that spot in New York? What was it called? Trash and Vaudeville. Oh, I feel it's like the same thing on Lower East Side, like on Eighth Street. That was but like it was like real store. deal, like yeah. like this is a lifestyle. You're we're doing this. Yeah, and uh, Smash had more punk T-shirts and records and stuff uh -huh. like that and stickers. Yeah. But yeah, Camila Sal had like bondage pants and fucking dogs. spikes ever spike collars yeah the whole deal i mean so shocking back then i i just remember like the that's where i would get like black lipstick that's where i would get the manic panic hair dye like that was the whole thing and i would just and remember they had oh they had like all these like nose rings and um face fake jewelry. ones but yeah, yeah. It, probably but yeah. remember they had a little like um what's that called it was like a display case and it would go in circles oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I would just sit there and just like watch it and just watch Hold it you and you just started watch going it that spot. probably eight eight or nine Jesus. yeah because my friend's mom uh, owned it wow. so we got to just like sit in there incubate like watch the people come in and you know and then whenever there was like a big band in town they would like swing by that place was like for real and it was right across from the whiz oh down like a couple blocks m street's so different now m street dude georgetown is, and so we crazy. say like we were in georgetown it already sounds so bougie but like at the time it was not like remember Soho. key theater or was up there that's where i saw kids for the first time okay. was like kind of right there um right now georgetown has gotten so corporate and so preppy it's like restoration hardware and it's like, like new york yeah i guess it is i guess like most places that used to have like a grit to it now have just gotten really corporate i mean i just got back from Austin where South Congress used to be food trucks and vintage yeah. cowboy boot stores and now it's like a Nike town and like wow. yeah and like Hermes store and you're like what's happening you remember the exorcist stairs of course I do so sick of course I was do that, was it in Georgetown off of M Street maybe I don't yeah know. it was yeah. on it was on M Street yeah like right across wow. from Yates like at, uh, Georgetown University which I recently learned I guess I would have known this was built by slaves wow yeah White House too Jesus I don't know why I feel the need to just throw okay. throw, throw, throw grenades. Thanks out. for those facts. <laughs> um, so were you were you were you into punk as a young? Yeah. So youngster? I mean, look, I was like, I mean, I definitely was like a poser about it. Like my, I have an older brother. Well, oh my right god, there. dude, I can't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I would steal my brother's Fugazi shirts, um, you know. At an old I see you still rocking Fugazi shirts. Yeah, too. yeah, it's yeah, cool. yeah. I, I collect, I collect a Minor Threat Fugazi shirts and Bad Brain shirts, which if you're collecting Bad Brain shirts, you're going to go broke real fast. Oh, that's incredible ones online, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have an Eye Against Eye one? 
do I is it yellow? No, no, you have that one. That's uh. I have the yellow. The yellow one is. I don't want to tell you what that cost okay. me. But there's so you're this, buying vintage shirts offline. <laughs> so there's this dealer, this guy in Japan. Maybe um, he lives in Pensacola. Let's be honest. Probably. I don't know, but he. I was able to get one. And he was like, I'll throw in this and this, but I'm I'm like deep into negotiating for bad brain shirts. So you, so you look for them all the time. You, yeah, it's kind of a wow. it's kind of a problem. Did you get to see them back then? I, I got to see them. I want to say maybe at track, uh, maybe at tra- the nine thirty club. I remember going Woo! with my brother once. Great venue. Great venue. Played there a couple of times. Been to a lot of shows there. Yeah. What's but as, okay? I've never played as a performer. Is it as amazing as yeah. being in the audience? We there? played with that band Clutch. Remember that band Clutch? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But what about it? Like, is it just? It's, it's just cool because I see those minor threat videos from there. I see that pole right in the middle. Uh huh. Like, the way it's set up. I have a cool picture of show. It's like me diving the crowd. at a sick of it all show there, like in '89. Yeah. I'll man, um I love that every shit. couple if I'll do like smaller venues and I'm able to do meet and greets. Like every now and then, someone will be wearing a 9:30 club shirt, and I'm just like, ah. Do you have one of those? Uh, you know what I don't. I need I, to get one. But I have the book. I have the coffee table book. Oh, yeah, I got that too. Yeah, I which I love. Shirt, yeah, we got to get that. I looked on Etsy and a couple of them didn't. I know. I'm such a dork. I looked on Etsy. When he comes, is buying all the hardcore shirts online. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. But sometimes they're fake ones. Of course. You know, you know the good ones are going to run you 80 to 80 to. Yeah, those are probably more on eBay, right? Than Etsy. Who I don't, you know I don't what? even know anymore. There's check. so many things. There's like I don't like. Smart. I kind of like. I feel like we're at the point in our lives, careers as adults, where it's not corny because I'm like, oh, I feel like such a poser. Like, but, but you saw them, so that's yeah, the thing. totally. That's totally, like all the yeah. kids wearing CBGB probably, shirts and all these different I was shirts. probably 13, 14. Yeah. And then in, as far as the straight edge thing, I was very into MXPX. What? Was, <laughs> what? They were just on my podcast. They just dropped a new record. No yeah, they're awesome right. dudes. With him. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I was very into that. And I was- Pop punk stuff. I was straight edge more because no one invited me to do draw. Like I wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like DC, like I ran with like, you know, an older sibling who was friends with like, I don't know if you remember like Sean King, like the graffiti artist, like was you know, but his little brother and I would like hang out and he was straight edge. So I was like, I guess I'm straight edge, you know? Yeah. But if someone had offered me drugs, I would have totally done it. I just wasn't cool enough (laughs) to be offered. Um, so you listened to minor threat back then, all that stuff. Yeah. Back then. Did you see Fugazi too before? I know. Damn. No. Incredible, man. No, do you remember when Dave Grohl did the, was it Sonic Highways? So cool. So cool, that episode. Played with the Bad Brains, all that stuff was incredible. And also, I didn't until later in life get into go-go music. I mean, being specifically DC. DC, man. Dude, it is just like, I can't. Trouble Funk, EU, Rare Essence. Listening to Trouble Funk, like it is, changes your cellular mitochondria mm. there's just like something about and i don't know so if it's special be so special and it's so energizing and it's just so like i like watching um youtube videos of yeah. it because they're all just stretched you know some of the songs go on for like 18 minutes and there's really no other go-go scene in this world besides like dc and baltimore that was specifically yeah. dc baltimore wasn't it yeah minor threats last show was with uh trouble funk it's kind of crazy so the, the crazy. punk shows and the hip-hop those shows together What's Ian like? He's just the he's, coolest. Yeah, you gotta you gotta meet him someday. For next time you go to DC, I'll set it up. I there's like who are the people that you're kind of like, I just don't know if what to say. It's crazy because I've met Nas, Jay Z, Madonna. I'm in a Madonna book. I have a tattoo of her. I met her three times. She was my childhood everything. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. But sending Ian postcards in the '80s and him writing me back, and then. 
slowly becoming going to going to Discord and becoming friends with this person. He's still my hero and like my god, mm-hmm. but like he's still the person, just, you know, just like his lyrics. I'm a person just like you. But when you go to Discord and you knock on the door and he answers and you go in there, it's like everything's there. Every original lyric, every postcard. He, I was here two weeks ago. He pulled out a postcard from my brother who was in the Offspring. He pulled out a brother uh, letter my brother wrote to him in 1989. He had the postcard and showed it to me. He has everything archived, dude. It's I, I, unreal. I just feel like I'd meet him and spend the rest of my life being like, why did you say that? Why the fuck did you say nah. that? Like I, nah. like Dirty Dancing, like I carried a watermelon. Like I would just be like, why did you say that? You shouldn't have said that. It was so stupid. Like I get, it's like having a crush on a boy. Like it mm. would be that I would, wouldn't be able to live with myself if I. You think you totally geek out? Said something stupid. You think yeah. geek out or be totally quiet. You know what I mean? But it's like, also, it's like to be like, ugh. You know, minor thread. Like he's heard it all, and he knows. Like you, yeah. know, I, I, I don't trust myself. Like I had this really bad experience when I met Ellen. Shocker. Um, <laughs> so no, the first time I met Ellen, whatever. I've My friends had some experiences. Yeah, I yeah. did her show after whatever. Like she, she is what he is. She had a lot of shit happen to her. Like whatever. Um, She's gone right off the TV. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just. I don't keep anyone's yeah, secrets, yeah, yeah. dude. Um, and I'm not saying. I, whatever you guys can decide what how you feel about this story so i was at the people's choice awards and if you're the people's choice awards that means you like won like they are they only invite you if you've won yeah. i don't know if i'm allowed to out that um it's okay but yeah i mean look um and <laughs> i love that i've become this weird hollywood snitch oh my god people choice awards are fake <laughs> saudi arabia is buying up apple like what am i <laughs> fuck, what's wrong with me but um Please. so i'm there and ellen's right in front of me and you know they have like seat fillers like at these yeah. music shows or these award shows like the celebrities and and the people on shows they're where the cameras are but everyone else is like got I don't know if they get paid or if they just yeah. get to come they get paid like 50 bucks cash probably they get look, paid they look good whatever and they're just seat fillers and so my guess is she probably just thought it was a seat filler which fine too if she d- who cares um but she kind of looks turns around and she looks right at me and i guess i just I, I'm so grateful to her. Like, I have friends that, like, didn't kill themselves because she came out as gay and they, you know, like... Of course. And Super inspirational for people. You never know what you're going to do when you see someone that legendary and iconic. Yeah. Like, I loved her sitcom. Like, I loved it. It was yeah. so well done. It was so funny. Like, because when it came out, um, it was on for a couple of years and then Friends came out and started just crushing it in the ratings. And wow. she would make fun of Friends within the show. Like, oh, wow. if someone, you know, came to her coffee shop, because she had a coffee shop too, and then Friends, at this big coffee shop and someone would be like hey can I get an almond latte she's like we don't sell that you might want to go down to Central Perk like they were like <laughs> she was like clowning on fret like it was wow. just like so I just I loved it and I was a fan her specials were also incredible she and, had great um, ones yeah like the bit where she, when you when you trip in public you look behind you Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, just in case someone's looking, you're like, "What was? What did I?" You know, like, just like yeah, she was yeah. brilliant. And yeah. um, and I always forget that she was comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And so, she turns around, looks right at me, and I just, I just said, I just was like, "Look, I, I'm a comedian. I just want to let you know, like, I love you." And I'm, you know, she's heard this a billion times. I know what you're saying. And I just was like, "Thank you for all that you've done." And I'm, I have friends that literally are alive because of you. And thank you for That's coming. Nice. I, she's probably heard that 15 times today. Whatever. And so I just give this whole speech, and then she just goes, "Okay." 
Whoa. And turns back around, which I know that she didn't sign up for that in that moment. Because normally if you're sitting with a bunch of famous people, they know not to act like that. But I... I she made it a bad day. I don't know. Or I just... I didn't know my place and I should have just... Whatever. I just... I believe if you like someone, you should tell them. 100%. You know what I mean? This yeah. whole thing when people come up to you and they're like, oh, Toby Marco. Oh, yeah, I heard her. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're mute. And you're like... Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be a. Stop playing it cool. No one's cool. Yeah. If you like someone, tell them. I don't know. And you did it. You felt bad after that or no? And then she turned around and then I just started disassociating and basically saying my inner monologue out loud in a southern accent. I just like, <laughs> I literally, pay. I've never had this happen before. I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to, uh, the show's going to start soon. And I just like went into like, wow. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Oh, I feel like. Ian. Ian. I would do something like that and just be too unctuous, but he'd probably be very cool about it. Totally cool about it. He gets it all the time too, but he knows how to handle it too. And he loves like talking and showing you all the things in discord and like, wow, it's very surreal, man. It's like, he seems very down to earth too. Everyone says he's just like, he's like the epitome of like uh punk rock. He's everything that it was about. Mm -hmm. And he's still right. about that life. You know what I mean? Like his ethics his DIY, everything, how he lives his life, his record label, yeah. And it's it's probably like one of the last standing punk houses in the world, in America probably. Discord. You got to go there next time you're in DC. I would love to. I would make that happen. I it'd, would it'd be, love to. Be... It's... Uh, I know. And I do... I mean, it's funny, but Kevin Christie, I don't know if you know, uh, a comic, also brilliant fine artist, um, done a lot of art for albums like Beastie Boys and stuff like that. And he... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. And he... um, Whenever I have to make a decision about should I do this TV show? Oh, should I do this mo movie? Should I do this thing? He goes, just be the minor threat of whatever you're doing. Wow. You know what I mean? It's fucking awesome. Like that's on a post-it note in my, just be that. So the answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, well, we'll pay them next week. Nope. You pay them now. You know, it just, that's the true North. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's cool how the impact of his music had and the career that you do as a comedian and everything you do that he affected your life too. Because it's, it's all also walks just, of life. It's you awesome, have to be dude. braver. You just yeah. have to be braver at all times. And you just have to take the risk. And if less people like me, that's fine too. Because I'd rather have less people that are dope than more people that are corny. Mm. And I like, love that. And like, I love, like this, this photo is like, you have to think your fans are cool to perform like this. Yeah. Because you're in their lap. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> you know yeah. Saying? That's how it all started, yeah. No barricades, and that's that it. stuff. That's it, that's it. So it's like, has to be people that you would actually fuck with that you want to be around. And I remember touring with a couple comedians in the beginning, you know, before I had any kind of like fan base or any of that kind of thing, and they hated their fans. And I was like, that's my nightmare. Yeah. To, to project some kind of, you know, image that, that or uh, be doing jokes that attract a kind of audience that I don't want to hang out with. And their fans come up to them to take pictures, and they're like, "Oh God, fucking," you know. Yeah. Like anyone that comes up to me in my shows, I'm like, "What's up, you, dude?" Yeah, you do that all the time after the shows. It's awesome. You know, because then there. I get to meet them, and I'm going like, "All right, if you think I'm cool, I must be doing something right." You know. Yeah, I love that you do that, and that's very punk. That's like, at a show, we'll play a show, and then after that, we'll be meet us at the merch booth, and we'll be over there hanging out, talking to people while they're buying T-shirts. It's the exact same thing. Like we, you're equal with everybody. If I go to Cincinnati and you've come to my show like i you're the i want to hang out with you yeah you know, you're fucking I, with me yeah because i was because there's times you're like i know this joke will get a laugh but like ah, 
It doesn't feel it just doesn't feel honest. Like it just feels corny. It feels like a shortcut. Like I don't know. Like the kind of people that are gonna pay money to see this, I probably don't want to hang out with. Like I ugh. Wow. Doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, so you you become friends with some of your fans? Or is no, that tricky? No, it's not that tricky. I mean, I've dated one. Okay. <laughs> um, so extreme. Yeah, there's like a couple, like, I mean, for me in general, like, I don't have to tell you, like, I did a couple years ago have to go, like, I can't take on new friends, any fans otherwise, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just like, we're so at capacity and like, you know, I'm trying to get to a place where I have like five or 10 tight people and then our acquaintances and whatever. Yeah, of, keep like, it tight. Tons of friends, you know. Especially when you get older too, man. But I'll hang, I mean, I'll literally, wherever I go, like St. Louis, like where are we going after? Let's go hang out for a couple hours, you so know. You hang out with everybody? Yeah, but I'm also doing like IG lives or like doing po live podcasts and like it's never anyone whack as long as you're being authentic and telling the truth. I love that. And sometimes that means not being funny all the time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, people expect you to be on at all times, huh? Yeah. And not so much anymore. I think like podcasting has changed that a little bit. Okay, I think yeah. podcasting. Like, I think so too. You know, because it used to just be like you would see comedians once every two years and they would, you know, or then you see them on The Tonight Show, you'd see them on Letterman, whatever, like pop up here and there, like doing, you'd only see them be funny. But now it's like you hear us talk about our depression for two hours and just like going <laughs> yeah. to the pumpkin patch and you know what I mean? I'm like, that's why podcasting was really hard for me in the beginning where I was like, I feel like we're just like bombing for three mm. hours. But I think people like kind of want, to hear the wiretap, they want to hear the hang. You, you think know? people miss the, miss the mystery of like people that they love and look up to because we give it, we give them everything. Like yeah, yeah, I'm at the laundry mat. I'm getting this fucking vegan fucking cupcake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. doing liquid death. I don't know. It's just. I think that it's a couple things. I think like it's important to not. Um, I think if you're feeling yourself repeating yourself or just talking for the sake of talking, yeah. like that's no. You have to make sure you're always just kind of like to be interesting you have to be interested in what you're saying you sure. know but i think it's important to stay like a little bit mysterious as long Same. as you're like also taking care of yourself and like for art to imitate life you have to have a life so True. to make sure like you're going out in the world and getting experience so on podcasts you're not just talking about podcasting i mean yeah like, i remember like i got to the point when i was you know because it's also once you get anyone asks you to do stuff the idea of saying no is also so crazy like i would get asked to do these talk show appearances you know because as a comic like you usually you know you come in you're gonna be funnier than probably the average actor not yeah not for any fault of their own you know they their parents read to them i'm happy for them but <laughs> comics were like like me you know yeah so i get asked to do so many talk show appearances and i found myself being like i'm literally a professional talk show guest at this point i'm like on letterman going like you can catch me on leno tomorrow night i'm on wendy yeah. williams next week. i'm just like promoting other talk show appearances <laughs> That's like how it used to be, you know, Yeah. in order for anyone to see you. Now it's like anyone can see you for hundreds of hours hundreds at of hours. any moment. And like you don't know like like what people are. I think the crazier thing is that, you know, if you're really committed to growing and changing as a person, as an artist, like some shit you've talked about on a podcast, even like a year ago might not be who you are anymore. So true. You know what I mean? And you're kind of like, oh, like it's just cringy. But like, yeah. It's also, it's fashion on some level and you got to go like, ugh, like those pants were cool at the time. Like that <laughs> hairstyle was fucking slamming when it was slamming. And like, if someone watches something now that I said four years ago and it's just like, it would embarrass me now. Like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, and there's always, we're only showing like a teeny bit of ourselves on social media too. It's not 100 percent us. Yeah, and people think that's all of us. Like one post represents everything we're about. Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. sometimes. Yeah, totally. Do you engage with people like for sure check DMs and stuff? For sure. Do you do too? I do. I try to. I try to, but like you know, it's it it becomes a little bit like for some people one too many, a million not enough. Like if you respond to people a couple times and then and they expect it always, and then they're like, all right, fucking okay. So you and you're like. 
Yeah, I you responded, responded twice. I don't know what I saw else. you read that, yeah. Yeah, they totally. You left, me on, you left me on red, dude. I don't know you. You don't fucking know you. That's the thing. Yeah, They're dude, all strangers. You, we kind of stopped doing IG Lives. Mm. I feel like that was like, like... Yeah, I don't see how many people do them anymore. During the pandemic, I mean, I that feel was like big. peak IG Lives. Yeah. And then we kind of like stopped, huh? It's interesting. Did you have a lot of uh, friends growing up? You ever... No. That's such a good question. That's such a good question. <laughs> and that was such a sad answer. I was kind of a loner growing up um, and didn't have, you have a, a sister and a, sister and a half brother. Yeah, right? yeah. older. Um, so I, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of a weirdo. I was kind of a weirdo. My mom, we all are. my mom worked, um, bless her heart, like first generation of women, like working a ton. I would like after school have to go to work with her. She worked yeah. at Bloomingdale's Tyson's Corner. Tyson's White Corner. Flint. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had basically like, lived in department stores and wow. my first drug of choice was disassociating and fantasy and I would like walk around department stores and pretend I was in movies and you know my dad uh, was always watching Rodney Dangerfield and SNL and I couldn't get his attention so I just very early went like I need to get in that box mm. and if I get that's that, interesting if I get in that box I'll get his attention so I just spent most of my childhood after that and and a lot of the teen teenage years just per like practicing getting in the box and being in the box and it's wow it's kind of wild, yeah. I'd be like in department stores, like. Is that how you became a uh, department store model? You know what? A little <laughs> bit, a little bit. I started modeling in department stores. That's cool. And then doing like informal modeling, and I think that it actually really helped with building my sort of ability to talk to people and do stand up and confidence because I was the person that had to go up to people and be like, on the fourth floor, that we're selling this yeah. and the pantyhose are on sale. And talking I was, to adults. Instead, I was like yeah. a perfume, and they were like, didn't you're like the annoying person who's yeah. like, would you like some perfume? Like, do you want <laughs> want a migraine? You know, exactly. And so having to be annoying like for a living and and then talk to people um help me i think yeah, especially that young confidence. also talking to adults and just being like yeah, yeah having to be so working. precocious so young and yeah getting into modeling young is definitely not healthy don't recommend it to anyone um but it definitely i did a lot of like fit modeling which is when you just stand there and they like you know sew it on your body and you just like have to entertain yourself and but it's a lot it's very like lonely yeah was your, were your parents strict yeah, that's such a good question god you're, you're damn raised it. roman catholic right yeah uh, i was raised yeah like it was kind of i mean but it was really um hypocritical type but it was interesting because my parents were very um hands-off in a lot of ways very like neglectful mm. in a but but you do your thing they trusted you but when they were strict they were really strict because okay. it was also like dude we grew up at a time where it was like go out and play come back before dark totally like running around Georgetown, running around Montrose Park, like, you know, yeah. like just come back before dark. And which kids don't know when it's going to get dark yeah. either. <laughs> so it just gets dark and you're like, fuck. They're just trying when to... the streetlights come on. Yeah, you're just said, like yeah. trying to get home in the dark. You just go home <laughs> with some other kid and then they have to call your parent. You, know? you were fine. You were safe. You're out there. It's interesting. I think it's good. For, I mean, I don't know. I think that's up. illegal now. I'm not... Oh, you can do that now. When did that become illegal? I don't know if it's illegal, but if you're running in the parks like super young like that, I don't think, I don't think parents will allow there's that. There's a woman that I think she went to jail because her kid was playing across the street and she was like looking through her window like doing the dishes and her kid was, someone called child services on her. I don't know how old the kid was or something, but um, that's wild to me. But yeah, wow. we, we like ran around like total just rugrats, shoplifting, you know, just- So you were getting wild, maniacs, yeah. Maniacs, of course. Like, you know, just- 
I'm knocking over mailboxes with shovels. I mean, that's why it's like. That's some real shit from back then. Well, like when people are like, oh, my, someone was negative to me online. <laughs> this kid called me ugly. I'm like, okay, so now comments like destroy your self-esteem. Like we destroyed property. Totally. We toilet paper in people's houses. We threw eggs at people's cars, like destroyed the finishes on your toilet paper vehicle. Houses. I mean, we would take a shovel, drive by a mailbox, and knock it over. It was the name of that terrific the baseball bat, too. We did that, too. That, yeah. I mean, like, psycho, dude. Wow. Um, and <laughs> But my parents actually had, like, a very... I think if your kids are growing up in D.C. in, like, certain areas, I'm sure there's other ones that are tantamount. It was very much like my dad was like, look, I know you're going to do smoke. I know you're going to drink. Do it in my house. You know, yeah. that was his thing. And he would buy us cigarettes. He would buy us alcohol. What? How old were you? Because Euclid, we would go wow. right down by the zebra room on Wisconsin um, is where we, then you get fake IDs. There was a place in Georgetown because he's like, I don't want you asking some other, I know you're going to ask some man to do it, True. you know, which we did and we would, yeah. we would, totally would have. And he did something kind of interesting that, you know, I don't know if this is good parenting or bad parenting, but he was <laughs> like never around, but did something that was actually really effective. He was like, um, okay, so I know you're gonna smoke. I know you're gonna do drink, do pot, smoke pot, whatever. Which is do so, pot, do pot. I'm a <laughs> fucking. I am so annoyed that you caught that. Um, <laughs> they used to say that back. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, do the pot. No, I just was like, um, uh, it, it, because I was, I was, my brain was a little bit conflicted. Sometimes my OCD takes over because, like, also when your parent says that, it stops being sexy. Mm. It was like, I know you're gonna smoke pot. I'll just get it for you. And you're like, well, now that takes all the fun out of it. True. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so much of the fun is like hiding it and it being taboo. You know? But he said he would be like, all right. So if I find out that you got in a car with someone that was drinking, or if I find out that you were, you know, got in a car with someone that was smoking pot and driving drunk, whatever, he was like, you'll never leave the house again. Damn. But if you just call me and tell me and have me come pick you up, zero punishment. I love that. So I have it with my son, the open communication. That's it. So important. So you dude. learn not to keep secrets. So 100%. I would like call, pay phone. You don't have to lie to your parents. That's it. I'd be like, hey, the driver's drunk. You'd be like, cool. I mean, he he would never pick up the phone when I would call and he'd be with hookers and stuff. But whatever. It's Whoa, okay. okay. It's a good in theory <laughs> idea. I never felt like I had to keep secrets from him. And I think if you're, I love that. If you're raising daughters in D.C., like you kind of got to go like, I know what's going to happen out there. Let's just make sure you don't die. Like yeah. we like Ocean City. Where did you go? I went to Ocean City Summers. before. Okay. Oh, so shitty. Waldorf Skate Park. I used to go to. Oh, I was always, yeah, I was always in D.C. though going to shows. Were up. you Rehoboth, Dewey, Bethany? No, nah, I was just in Maryland. I moved from I moved from Newport, Rhode Island, as like a punk rock skater, mm -hmm. to Southern Maryland, where I saw my first Confederate flag, where I heard the N word by a white person, where I saw I was like a breakdancing weirdo, straight edge Love kid. It. I went to high school there, and it was fucking. It was like culture shock. It was hard for me. And then I started going to the shows in D.C. with my older friends. And that's where I just kind of escaped that little town I was living in, you know? The first thing I ever did is like a... Well, the first thing I ever did as like a writer is... Um, remember the show Animaniacs? Yeah. I wrote a spec for Animaniacs when I was like 13, 14. Wow. I was like obsessed with that show. <laughs> and then when I was in college, I was such a weirdo. I... <laughs> Wanted to, uh, I saved money to get a camcorder and I would go to Brooklyn um, every weekend uh, when I was in college in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was ma in my head making a documentary on female breakdancers. Really? Yeah. And then my camera got stolen. I went every weekend for like six months and started getting to know them Damn. and like documenting like how when there were breakdancing competitions, violence actually went down. 
in the neighborhood because it was yeah. like a way to kind of have like a catharsis. Totally. And um, was there a lot of women breakdancers there? At the yeah, at the, yeah. not a ton, yeah, but it was like but they they that's who I was like focusing on primarily. That is cool. And then my camera got stolen. Damn, that would be some cool footage to have right I now. I know. And it was funny because I was like, I'm getting to know them and like they really like me and they're starting to trust me. And meanwhile, they're like, let's just be nice to her so we can steal her camera. <laughs> Were you into hip hop and stuff too? Fair. Yeah, I was into I gotta say, like, you know, I had like a couple CDs that I was like lived by, and it was really tripod quest for me. Best. That was best, that was dude. like my religion. And I had, it maybe it's like a form of OCD where I can kind of only focus on one. And I discovered more like hip hop later, but Tribe Called Quest was like kind of my life. All of the Um, records, I mean, yeah, was kind of my life. It was also just like, and I'm just putting this together now, like they were funny also. You know what I mean? I mean, rappers like i'm obsessed with with hip-hop and rap because it is usually just jokes like when you look at lil wayne lyrics you're like that's a fucking killer roast joke wow, dude yeah, yeah. you know what i mean but it was just like do you know the importance <laughs> of a sky page like it was like yes. silly you know so i yes. think on some level before i discovered comedy like hip-hop was like there was a silliness to tribe called quest even though they were also saying like obviously really deep shit there was like one uh, busting out on your couch and they got semen's furniture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to- yes. And you're like, oh, like it's that. Crazy that's like wordplay. as a roast joke. You're like, what? Five dog, rest in peace. Yeah, tribe that's it. incredible. Yeah, you go on point five, like all our friends would be like all the time. To- like, it was just there was a silliness and a playfulness to it that I think probably. But it was hard too. The beats were hard. It was this great. Mm-hmm. De La Soul, that whole Native yeah. Tongues. Yep. Queen Latifah, yep. I loved all that stuff. Money Love. Yeah, Queen Latifah was, I mean, not a not a game, dude. She wasn't. I feel like mm-hmm. she doesn't get enough credit. I think she I know just, she's an actress now, she's but she's just like, got so successful at so many other things. It's just sort of dude. like, you know, it's like she can just do anything. But I do remember there was like a moment a couple of years ago when like I don't know, I think it was like Rebel Wilson and like oh, yeah. a bunch of people were like, There's never there's never been plus size women in movies and we need to get and it was like Mm, I don't know, man. Queen Latifah started a bunch of movies. Like she did. Roseanne off. was in movies for a while. Yeah, like we just how quickly we want to like make up this narrative that. Interesting. You know, I'm like, do your research, homie. Like that's not the case. Um. So you moved. To, you moved to Virginia when your parents divorced, huh? Was that kind of culture shock? Kind of. Yeah. A place called Roanoke, Virginia. Yeah, I know Roanoke. Yeah. I played the boat. The oh, boathouse or something there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first time I saw MXPS. Was okay, in, yeah. Uh, was in Roanoke. So, it was a crazy venue, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like straight edge ba- bands kind of <laughs> come through there, I feel like. Um, Remember Avail? What's it called? Avail. They were from Virginia. Oh, That's yeah. That's Richmond, no. though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, And uh, and so I lived there because uh, we were like running around D.C. getting in a lot of trouble. Um, at a very were you partying group. too? Yeah, it was just like, you know. Draw, like just ran away from like literally didn't go to school for a couple of months kind of wow. thing you know what I mean and then um went to Roanoke Virginia lived on a farm with my aunts and that's crazy yeah and I was very alone there very solitary didn't have a lot of friends whatever like had a nose ring had blue hair Sick. with yeah shaved <laughs> like remember when girls would shave, the, shave back. the back of the half of their head and then do a ponytail totally like that was my what was shit that? I remember that it was just it was a thing though but it was annoying because it would grow out. Then you'd have this weird like 
half mullet. Like I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? But I was very much like I had like the the fucking tiptoe pants and the airwalk. Like airwalk. Yes, dude. The airwalk. And it was the big sh- ass jeans. The big ass jeans and the tiny little crop top. It's coming back too. It, it's back. Have you been to Urban some, Outfitters? Urban some Outfitters. of my friends' kids rock that stuff now. Yeah. Dude, it could not even walk. The pants, like if it was raining, would be wet up to your it's knees. It's like rave pants almost. Yeah. But like airwalks were, that was. That was the shit. That was the whole thing. Was it Journeys? Jenko jeans. Jenko's bum equipment was big for us too. There was bum also, equipment, yeah. Like huge bum equipment sweatshirt with like black leggings. That was also a thing. All that shit's coming back. Yeah. And then there was the like your underwear your showing thong would come out of the pants. And sometimes we would TLC like, did that yeah, shit. Oh yeah. Still does. Nailed it. And we would kind of put like <laughs> rhinestones on your underwear line. Wow, dude. You know what I mean? And then sometimes we would do a tank top with like a bikini top over it. I don't know. There was a that was such a weird thing, like showing underwear. But I mean, dudes were doing that. Marky Mark was doing that with Calvin Klein's, all it that was just shit. Like, all like your main <laughs> skill as a graffiti artist is you have to run from the cops. You know what I mean? And we True. Would all wear these pants. Because you so, couldn't run in. You couldn't fucking get anywhere, dude. Were you doing? Were you doing graffiti too? No, no, no. Okay. I was like just like I a what your tag was. I'm poser. No, I was just like a poser that would like follow around. Yeah. Graffiti artists so and crazy. stuff, but I wasn't like super savvy about like like the skate parks in DC. Like I would have been that skate park rat, but I just feel like yeah. Was there many skate parks? I remember there's Crofton yeah, Skate Park. I went all. to in Maryland. Nah, back then, not really man. in DC. But when I went to Philly, uh, yeah, Love Park. Yep. Yeah, Huge. all that. So I remember when I was in college, like always going by there and it being really big. Damn. You know. In terms of skate, I just have a question. Tell me, I skate crazy still. I know, but like, when you walk by, <laughs> like a staircase, or like a a railing, is it like the way you would also like look at a girl's butt? Like you have to Very like imagine what you would do to it. Like, can you walk <laughs> past? Like, okay, for a- me, I never got there. I'm I'm an eighty skater, so I still skate half pipes. Okay, okay. I skate vert. I skate mini. I don't skate street. My son skates street. My wife works at the Barrack Skate Park. She oh, runs it for that. like 10 years. So yeah, rails, I never did that. I see my, I watch my son do I'm like, I would never do that. But that's a great point. They probably do. They look at like a park bench or something. <laughs> like you have to figure out like it's how am I gonna. They see the world different for sure. Yeah. Like it must just be so, like you said, the exorcist stairs. I'm like, is that yeah. just a skater thing? You have to, any flight of stairs, you have to be like, have you seen those? Yeah. I bet I could fucking it's survive. A- I'm sure it is. It must be exhausting as a skateboarder. But it's kind of beautiful. They see things like that. They see things like, I don't know, that we seem different. Every time you see like a little slope, you have to be like, uh, if I like see, keep walking. I'm 53. And if I do see like a bank, I'm like, damn, it'd be kind of <laughs> sick to grind that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? You look at it so different. It's like you're not even checking out women. You're just checking out like, and it's crazy when like the city asphalt. started putting spikes on top of They started putting spikes on things where so people oh, can so skate that's it. not for pigeons. No, man. That's for all the skaters who are like ruining those spots. Why does it ruin them? Uh, cause grinding them down, shipping the brick, uh, whatever they're doing, scraping them, whatever. Mm. It's not more about them getting hurt. Sorry, my dog no. just farted in a way that's. Oh, shocking. my dog does that. What By is, the way, shocking. Yo, you. What is Magna 
cum laude. <laughs> That's what you. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> that is. That's what you graduated. That in. is so embarrassing. I don't know what it fucking uh, means though. It just. I guess it means you got decent grades. Okay. I don't know. So you I were, was, you're smart. I'm you're such smart. a fucking dork. But also like. But you graduated. The better the school you go to, the more grade inflation there is. I mean, mm. college is just a eugenics program at this point. Like yeah. I went to a, a, a thought of what's thought of as a good school. Which, by the way, bragging about going to an Ivy League school at this point, you're literally just like, I went to a school that took Epstein money. Like it's so oh embarrassing you know actually Penn didn't um they <laughs> sent out a letter specifically saying we did not take any money from uh, jeffrey epstein oh, i was wow. like my man but um <laughs> but i grew up like getting into an ivy league school for so many people to go there it's like a formality like their parents donated and it's just a bunch of like like ivanka trump is ivanka right yeah was going there when I was going there, like I took it very seriously because I was also paying for it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I had loans and I was like, I'm going to, and I did it in three years instead of four years. Cause the four years you could do it, you know, so that you can be in sororities and fraternities and everyone's yeah. like trying to meet a business partner mm. or like a wife or and like, because the same thing with the yeah. left and the right. This is why being on the left or the right and rooting for either. The, all their kids go to the same schools. They go to the homecoming. They all fucking. It's money, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just all this like where rich people just go to breed. And I <laughs> and I was like going to class like an idiot. It was just like me and like two Asian kids. And I'm like, I'm going to get an education, dude. This shit is a fortune. Yeah. Um, you know, so. And I think I, I, I actually am glad uh you know i ended up doing it because i did discover i went to i got a communications degree which yeah, i know yeah. is like the biggest like joke um but there was a professor named carolyn marvin and she taught something called the first amendment mm. she would burn the flag on campus every year what? like super punk bitch like she would wow. you know yeah and she played for us the george carlin seven words you can't say on television and Incredible. i thought that i wanted to be a journalist uh and i didn't re and i I intern, you'll remember this, for Barbara Harrison. I don't know if you remember Barbara Harrison. She was at local news in D.C. Which, by the way, what was your, were you D.C. 101? DC 101. Was yeah, that yeah, your radio yeah. station? Yeah. Um, and I was 95, 95.5, but <laughs> DC 101 too. And um, so I interned at a local news station in DC and I was like, so I was like, I'm going to be a journalist. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, local news is always so like ridiculous anyway. It's so like yeah. bonkers. And they let me make a video, like a tape where I read local news. Wow. And I couldn't stop making jokes. It was about, you know, it was always so sensational. It was always about a kid getting abducted or some shit. And it was like, <laughs> this six-year-old kid was abducted, you know, and, you know, by this pedophile or something. And they put a photo of the kid up and he was like not an attractive kid and was like a little mm. chubby. And I was like, oh, God, like who would want to molest him? Like, I, I, wow. I don't stand by the jokes, but I was couldn't stop cutting it with and I was like this is not for me although I think that comedy is sometimes an intersection between like journalism and like being a lawyer mm. that's what we do we like make a case true like I was like we say something that's not true and then we prove it yeah. <laughs> you know and then we're kind of like we think we're like these journalists being like but this and that you know so I'm glad I learned about those things but ultimately I did sort of figure out like, oh, comedy, like that's what I'm doing. But were you watching comedy? You were into comedy before that? I like not, growing up watching not it? particularly. I was a really serious kid. My Student. dad looked exactly like Dan Aykroyd. Wow. Like he would sign autographs as Dan Aykroyd. And so yeah. So I and he my dad was hilarious. Okay. Like he we watched like three or four movies on a loop, three amigos, blues brothers, Ooh. ruthless people, national lampoon, European vacation, like 
there was always a lot of bad shit going on in our house, but he was all, we're, we were always doing like bits, like okay. from European vacation, from Coneheads, from shit like that. And so um, I learned like anything, anytime something serious is happening, like we're just like making jokes and clowning around. And then there yeah. was a lot of- Break the tension. Anger, tension, that's the perfect word. There's yeah. a lot of tension in my family and there was a lot of passive aggressive, like roasting communication okay. instead of just like, I'm upset with you. Like at any holiday gathering, Thanksgiving, when like the aunts and uncles got together, it was always like, can you pass this all the way you pass around women when you're married? Like it was a lot of that Whoa. shit, you know? That's why I became a great roaster. And then also my last name is Cummings, so I got bullied. Like I was going to ask you about that. Quite a bit. And then you learn how to defend yourself pretty fast. Wow. And then also this is like a, I don't know, this might come off weird, but like I was also friends with black girls. And like you better be ready <laughs> to defend yourself you know what i mean you better yeah. like know what you're doing it's like as neil brennan um great you know comedian he says uh a black a black uh a, a white comedian is as funny as a black person you know yeah <laughs> like full stop so it's like yeah. growing up in dc like you know i got to like have black girlfriends and like you just have to get quicker yeah you know you have to be able to defend yourself you have to get smarter you have to get funnier get your balls broken yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly get tough skin yeah so then i go out in the world and i'm like bah, bah, bah. And everyone's like why are you like what is all this so i'm like oh did you have white friends Whoa. so at that moment doing that that read for that what a TV station you felt that I'm gonna try something well I just was like journalism isn't gonna work yeah like I don't I don't I ha I cannot say something this sad without breaking a, making a joke I have some kind of Tourette's because you used to doing that in your house though it makes total sense yeah now. yeah but I That's also was crazy. just like why are we being serious about this this is ridiculous you mm. know what I mean and it's like I could not say what everyone was thinking it was like a weird Tourette's like I could not stand I think when you grow up in now call home you cannot stand an elephant in the room Gotcha. You just have to say it. Yeah. You know, or just like cut the sadness or it's just like having a lot of sad and like I, we need to cope with this. Like this kid just got kidnapped mm -hmm. and might be dead and was molested. Yeah. You guys are just, you're not going to laugh about it? Like to me, it's so obvious <laughs> the way to cope with this is to yeah. laugh so that we, otherwise we're going to blow our fucking brains out, you know? Yeah. But then I was like, ooh, I'm different. Like this isn't a normal reaction, but like there's a business where I can go do this. 100%. <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to think like, I didn't, I, my dad watched a lot of SNL. Best. It was a lot of like Land Shark. Like every time he'd walk in a door, Land Shark. It was, you know, a lot of Rodney Dangerfield. Great. And he would use Rodney Dangerfield jokes to like flirt with waitresses and stuff. And I saw the power of what a joke could do. And Interesting. I also like early when I was writing, I actually thought in terms of like, and still when I'm writing, you know, I just did my sixth special and I still yes. think this way. I go, I want to make sure there's a couple jokes in here that other people could tell, remember and tell, and like they could kill at work. It's cool. Or like they could get, like they could kill with someone else. Yeah, yeah You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Like I, cause I remember seeing the magic of being able to say someone else's joke. I do remember when I was, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine, my mom's family is in Texas, a small town called Sherman, Texas. And we found a Seinfeld record, the one where he talks about like Florida, like moving to Florida. Okay. and. Like in Florida, they have a turn. It's called the eventual left, like that whole thing. And I, I remember it being so funny. Really but that's, funny. but I didn't have a lot of like stand up in my childhood. Yeah. 
That's interesting. So when you graduate, you work in a job and stuff right that moment? That moment? I did mostly, uh, I was working in, uh, doing like working at a couple like little stores and stuff, um, stupid things, but I, <laughs> so <laughs> the way that I made money, like when I moved out to LA, I was modeling when I was in Philly, yeah. like going up to New York every weekend. I did like maternity catalogs and like QVC and like shit like that. Um, and when I got out to LA, my main ways of making money were doing focus groups and clinical trials. Wow. So there's like focus groups like, you know, L'Oreal is coming out with I'm making up brands like um, but a lot of them were big brands like this or Neutrogena. Like yeah. you can sign up to go like they'll send you the product. You'll try it for two weeks and then you go in and they'll pay you $50 cash to sit in a circle and like say what you thought of the product and what wow. you thought could be improved. It's almost exclusively math addicts. Okay. It's someone that needs $50 cash. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like ace, like a meat, like they're like shaking and like twitching. Damn. And I realized very quickly, the more you talk, they, they'll put you on a list and they'll call you back for more focus groups. So I was like the fucking nerd that would be like, okay, so I like the pump, like the pump did stick a little bit. Like you were serious really about it. Oh, yeah. I took it dead serious. <laughs> and they kept calling. And the meth heads would be like, who shut the fuck? Like they Let's get my money. Me. Get the fuck out of here. They hated me because I would be like, you know, it's just the packaging. I feel like. And, um, <laughs> And I actually, there's a couple products when by the time they came out, I was like, I feel like I impacted this. Wow. <laughs> like there That's was, awesome. There was one like cosmetic company that did like a, like a face brush. And I was like, this just feels like it's unsanitary. Cause after a couple days it did feel like it. And they put like a sanitary like <laughs> top on it. You know, I was like, that was me. Um, wow. And it was actually kind of funny because a lot of the things that would have like side effects, it kind of fascinates me because um, especially like pills and stuff. It kind of is like I call it like the um, the seven dwarves of uh, side effects because there was like <laughs> the seven of us that were really good and talkative and verbose and annoying in the focus. Group, they keep calling us back over and over again. Yeah. But then you get to know them outside of the focus group. You'll see them in Starbucks. You'll see them like walking in and you're like, hey, Jocelyn, what's up? You know, and then <laughs> it would be like, did this make you drowsy? And, you know, Jocelyn, I'm just making up a fake person and be like, yeah, it made me a little tired. And I'm like. Dude, that bitch is always tired. Like I, she's <laughs> all like I know Jocelyn by now, dude. She's like, this is not the pill. Like yeah. you just kind of like look at the side effects and you're like, that's Mark. Yeah, he's always got a fucking headache. I'm telling you, even when he did wow. like outside the focus groups, like it's just like so. so became friends with these people. Yeah, it's like so. Yeah. It's so funny to me to like look at like it like ruins um, buying things for me. It's like this mm. weird, but it also I think was good as a comedian because you're just like questioning everything. You're like, who are the people that decide? Like you know, this is okay for us. Like yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. there's like a poll, I'm like, yeah. don't ask me. Yeah, <laughs> who are the people that got asked? Like yeah. I don't know. Like so, that's such a comedian thing to. Um, but then I would also do clinical trials. Like I would say, like in the back of like you know the newspaper, like depressed, want to come to UCLA and be in this clinical trial where you take this antidepressant and see how it works on you. Test this lighting machine. Yeah, exactly. Wow. See how it works for you. So it's like, yeah, I'm depressed. I mean. Do you ever get if fucked you're up not, and stuff? By the way, if you're not now, you will be by the time you've been in a clinical trial that you're lying about um, <laughs> for two weeks and taking some pill that never ended up getting passed by the FDA. Did I ever get fucked up? There was one, there was like a couple pills that I did clinical trials for that I took for a long time that, that I'm kind of like- Stayed on them for a while? Any day now, this will get passed by the FDA, right? Like they just like never came out and I'm like, mm. Wow. I would have loved for that to have like gotten approved <laughs> so that I wasn't just a guinea pig in some weird ass experiment. But damn. You know, but that actually that would be like fifty dollars cash, fifty dollars cash. This um 
Sean Lennon, I love you. Thank you for letting me tell this story. Uh, I was in an acting class with Sean Lennon. This and, in L.A.? Yeah, in L.A. And uh, totally we were friends at the time, totally platonic. And he did leave a couple shirts at my house that were like very valuable vintage shirts like the ones I, you're buying now i yeah. sold them at buffalo exchange <laughs> for the lowest price they're the worst it was like a sign by worst. his dad buffalo exchange doesn't buy I, anything for the right price dude and you know what? it's degrading you know what else buffalo embarrassing. but then sometimes you go and they sell shit for way too high yeah you know what i mean and you're like wait a second what i was selling you guys were lowballing me on those who are, and who are these jeans? people that they know exactly what something's worth yeah dude it drives me we used to go there all the time with it, all this stuff from like flea markets and stuff no no no, no. but then you could flip it more money probably online but, but yeah. then yeah right but so i then i would go to one buffalo exchange the one on fairfax and all the stuff they rejected i'd then take it to the one in sherman oaks mm. but they would call each other oh my god and they were like we know you were just the fairfax one come we're not on. taking the closet too i'm is like one. come on oh yeah and crossroads i think crossroads yeah, yeah. One. now online i guess it would be like depop and like you know those ones but yeah, yeah. like the nicest shit like nah five bucks ten bucks it's like what yeah i would like after flip shows at the comedy store and stuff if i would like find a random ll bean hoodie i just grab that shit take Are it to public you're yeah, hustling you're surviving yeah Wow. Yeah, that was a big one. I worked at like a little retail store on like Melrose for a little while. Um, I would write jokes for other comedians. Okay. That's kind of when when I really was like like able to start making money um, is when I would write jokes for other comedians. That's cool. Yeah. Like Ghostwriter. It was weird. Yeah, I wrote like jokes. And then random like celebrities would hear from their agents and ask me to write jokes for them for like award shows and kind of stuff like that. And wow. then I kind of started. And then my first writing job ever was on Last Call with Carson Daly. Wow. As like a staff writer. That was a good show too. I remember him. Yeah. Well, it was a TRL, lot of music. Man. It was a lot of music people. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of music. And you worked at Punk too, right? Oh, that's right. Well, that was my first, like, it's interesting. Like, um, Punk at the time was you had to be anonymous to get the job, but then got maximum exposure. So it was kind of this perfect mm. thing, you know? And I remember the audition. It was down at MTV on colorado like it was like the parking was like a nightmare yeah and I know what you're talking about yeah it was like a shit show to and i didn't have like the 17 quarters to fucking <laughs> whatever and i was so worried about getting towed like if at that time when you have no money if you get a ticket or get towed in la horrible, like man. you are fucked you're fucked that sets you best or getting an overdraft fee like for something so i was just like i went and this was back when they would do like cattle calls i mean i walked in there was like maybe like 200 people like 200 Damn. girls there and you're just like what are the chances i'm gonna get this and i look and i'm you know there's like the sign in sheet and i'm like there's like four or five pages and i'm like this is gonna be four hours like people are in there for like 20 25 minutes i'm like there's Damn. no way i can afford this like parking and i sign in and like whatever's happening and like i go and i come out and then um and then the jason goldberg who's ashton kutcher's partner at the time um i he basically was like when he coming and I was like, I can't stay. Like I had no leverage. I had no, I was like, I can literally, I, I have to go. And I guess there might've been something about, cause they were trying to figure out, Oh, why don't you two come in together? And da da da. Like they were just like having some rigmarole and they're like, we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back. Da -da. And I was just like, I have to leave. Like, I, is this going to, I was like, how long is this audition going to take? Yeah. Cause like, I'm like, I was just very confrontational in a way that I did had not earned at all. Like, I don't know who the fuck I thought I was. I just was like, so desperate. Like I could not, I had $7 for like seven years. And um, I was just like, I can't get this ticket, dude. And yeah. And there was something, whether he felt sorry for me or whether 
the energy that wasn't like, I'll get a ticket for this, you know, yeah. 2% chance that I might get this after scale job, yeah. you know, was appealing to it. Like I accidentally just wasn't desperate for once Yeah, <laughs> just because I was so desperate to not get this ticket. Cause I also driving down there was like, you know, $30 of gas. So I was like, I also had to drive all the way back. Like I was just so Damn. afraid and I was Real. like, there's no way I'm going to get this. And then I went in and the audition was actually really interesting because it was, you know, punked was, it was a hidden camera prank show. Yeah. And the main thing is you couldn't get nervous. Like if you got nervous, uh, it would give up, it would give it away. You know, people like, is this a prank show? You know, there were a yeah, lot like, yeah, and, yeah. and punked was like really big at the time. This was the Huge. canceled season, but it had gotten, remember he said it's over. And yeah. then this was like the secret season. Okay. But like the main thing that would give it away is people being, you know, nervous. And basically the audition, he just went, I'm going to insult you for as long as I can and just insult me back. And I was like, oh, this is why people have been leaving, like crying. out of this audition. Like I would see people come out and just be like flustered. Fuck. And I just was like, oh, this is just, you mean my childhood? Like, <laughs> let's go. Like, totally. it was just like, you just and, went it was, at it. and nothing hurt my feelings. Nothing threw me. Nothing shook me. I'm like, this is everything you're saying is so much nicer to me than like what my mom would say to me before like, every morning. So it kind of just was, you know, worked out really well. And then so I ended up doing, um, I don't know, maybe like 15 episodes. Of wow. That. I did like a lot. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Because it was like the secret season. But you were super confident too, though. You, you, you know, I don't know the difference between confidence and autism at this point, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I was, it was kind of a delusional confidence that I wish I could get back to like talking to, but, but I like that it though. Was, it wasn't like I'm the shit or anything. It was just like, Oh, the one thing I'm really good at, uh, like what was that super racist story about the briar patch? The tar baby in the briar patch. I know I'm not Fuck, supposed to that. even bring this up. And my grandfather that. used to read this story to us. And it is so wow. racist looking back. But it was just, wow. it was kind of the thing where um, the one thing I was really qualified for, it just happened to work out. Everyone yeah. with the good childhoods were just, need not apply. Mm. You know, like nothing could shake me at that point. Yeah, yeah, nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. I had nothing to lose. Like nothing could shake me. And then he just had, and then it was like, he did another thing that was interesting. He was like, uh, we're going to do an improv and I need you to convince me to take my belt off. Mm. Like it was just like a thing, you know? Yeah, and I was like, oh, random. I was raised by a pathological liar. Like I, like I just knew what to do. It was weird. It was like, it was probably like a lot of mental ill. I, I mean, a therapist would have probably <laughs> called the police, but it was just something that was like perfectly suited to yeah. my, to my maladaptive behaviors. It was just, I got kind yeah. of unlucky my whole life that I got those things and then really lucky that it came in handy in some capacity which is what I love about comedy is like all the things that you know are maybe maladaptive behaviors you could alchemize and use to make entertain people for sure you know so so punk do you get an agent once you get that show uh, so I get an agent like is your name getting around that way you're writing for people and uh, now you're on the now you're on punked yeah, I don't think I'm really getting an agent. Uh, Are you making some money? Because that's the other thing is people think just because you're on TV, you have like a hundred million dollars or true. something. You can be broken famous. Not that that's I was true. famous, but I had like I was able to get like a publicist. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. That I paid like three hundred dollars or something, and she was like, "Oh, you don't have to pay me." Like, and I would like pick up her kids. Like it was just like <laughs> one of those kind of thing. Yeah, um, but you're making some money. Yeah, it was after scale, so it was like four hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, and then you think you have four hundred dollars, and then you get the check, and it's a hundred and twenty dollars. Because I remember being like, 
because agents took 10%. And I'm like, I don't have, I can't give you the 10% of this. So I was like, everyone was like, I need to get an agent. I'm like, yeah, but they take, agents and managers take 10%, 10%. Yeah. Like, so it adds I, up. yeah, dude. Like, I, you know, so I remember being like, I don't want an agent if they're just going to take my money, you know? So, and then I started going to this acting school that I couldn't afford, but I started working, like, like cleaning it for classes, yeah. like an exchange thing. Um, and... I don't know. That's, That's cool. Yeah. And then I just started writing jokes and going to the comedy store. And I was like, I'm doing this. And then I went into a manager's office. who's was a very big manager. I really was delusional. Um, but it I guess. It happen though, man. But I guess when you have nothing to lose, like totally. I went into his office and I was like, I'm going to be a famous female comedian. And he was like, oh, can I see like a tape? And I'm like, oh, I haven't done stand up yet. Wow. And he was like, this is so crazy that I actually believe you. Yeah. She, he's like, the fact that you just did that. I, I like believe that this is going to happen. And yeah. I was like, cool. <laughs> so are you my manager? He's like, yeah. Like, wow. I guess he just was like, this person is so crazy. She must be funny or at least must have like a, like insane work ethic. And, um, we with that manager a long time. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, wow. and I, and basically he gave me like really good advice. He's like, just kill 10 times in a row just kill 10 times in a row and everyone will be talking about you. And I was like, that's so helpful because I wasn't, it wasn't like get on this showcase or get Montreal. It's just kill 10 times in a row in the clubs. Everyone yeah. will be talking. And I was like, got it. And I was like, I need to kill 10 times in a row. So I would do like five or six spots a night. Wow. Grinding, and, man. and I didn't like even know what I didn't know. Like I didn't know that like most comics will like smoke weed and play video games all day. And then they'll just go do their 20 minutes at night. Yeah. I was like writing jokes all day. Is that hard coming to LA and just starting out like that? Are people like nice to you? Like are the comedians? Are they open? Like you're part of this community? I think it's, I think if you're not a threat in any capacity, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think yeah. the great thing about coming up in LA is you're not really coming up in the clubs. Like you're coming up with like bowling alleys and True. like, you know, like I would go for like coffee shops on, you know, out to Pasadena and like sushi restaurants and wow. parking lots and, you know, Glendale. Really getting it in, there yeah. were like rooms, you know, and then I learned, oh, the best way to get stage time is to start your own open mic. And I started my own open mic with Natasha Legero and Melinda Hill and at like some restaurant in Atwater Village. And then like a, week. you're like the host, you have your friends. Yeah. And then MySpace started happening. MySpace oh. is really what started. And I would DM people and go, like, oh, do you want a spot on my show? If I could do a spot on your show and blah, 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 blah. And you would just all day, I would just be trading spots with people and like try to get spots. That's a lot to grind. Yeah. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. Super DIY though too, man. That's it. I mean, that's the thing that, and I can't speak for music, but like in, you know, like, I don't know a ton of, of skateboarders, but like the ones that I do know, I'm like, oh, the trajectory is pretty similar mm -hmm. in the way that it's between you and so, like literal pavement. Like yeah. and sometimes like you have to generate everything. Musicians like, too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Musicians also. I mean, sure. well, mu musicians, the reason I have a whole other respect for that is because you have to have like three or four people you coordinate with. Oh, it's, you know what yeah. I mean? Which I, I can't even imagine the idea of like, being like, I'm doing these three open mics tonight. And now I have to call two people and see if they're going to pick them up like that. It's hard. I remember one time I was. It's hard. I, I am such a lone wolf type of person. I can't imagine having to like navigate other people's schedules and it's rough sometimes. Egos and I I was remember that show in Chicago, Man Cow. I heard of the name. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was like a it was like 
it was like a big local station in Chicago that like if you get on it, you'll like sell out whatever helium or whatever club you're playing. And I remember one time having to get up, you know, because we would have to do morning radio to, you know, for years. Yeah. You know, you do shows till two in the morning and then they pick you up for morning radio at 5 a.m. And you're like, at, you're on like Mickey and the Worm, you know, <laughs> like Porky in the Pie and just all these like, you know. Let's be funny again. Yeah. yeah. And I remember going to like fucking drag my ass like so tired and then seeing I actually think it was um what is the band that Carrie Mulligan is married to? They're oh, yeah. such a good band and I'm being I know she's married to oh, yeah, I'm Carrie being Mulligan. an asshole. They're like bluegrass popish. It's not the Abbott brothers. They're, they're like old school kind of band like that? They're oh God, I can't remember. Um but they all we'll put in there, yeah. they all come in with like their fucking there's like a guy with a cello. It's like five thirty in the morning. They're killing it. And none of them are talking to each other. They're so you know, but they got a fuck drum set like coming in to play music at this radio station at fucking five AM and I was like, I whole other level of respect. Totally. Cannot even imagine. And singing too, yeah. Oh, didn't even think of that. That's brutal, man. No sleep, probably. Yeah. Can't even think of that. I would have died from cocaine so long ago if that <laughs> if if I had to involve other people and just sort of like, oh, and you're five and you're five minutes late. There's one's always late, I bet. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally, dude. Can't even imagine. And um I'm so lucky. And so, but like when I look at like like skateboarders and I'm like, so you just go to this park every fucking day and you just hurt yourself over and over again and you don't make any money. Like that's what we did. It was just like going to like, you know, going to this laundromat, starting a show. Because you loved it though. Mm -hmm. And it's therapy too, for sure. But it's also, it's the only way to get good. Mm -hmm. It's the Keep only yeah. way to get good. 100%. Is Keep this just it. like gritty, like fucking smash and grab? Like, yeah, I'm doing, I mean, there used to be a place on Sunset called Miyagi's. It was a sushi restaurant. And there was a 10 o'clock on Tuesday show. Like, who the fuck is anywhere at 10 o'clock on Tuesday? Of yeah. course, it would start an hour late. And there was a stage, and then there was a moat, like, a, with a bridge. Okay. And then, like, a koi pond, and then people eating sushi. And we would wow. just yell over a moat, and they would be playing MTV2, like, MTV jams out loud. Dude. And we would just be, like, yelling. And you're just like, what the fuck were we doing? That's for no money. Brutal. Yeah, for no money. You know, and then when I see like skate videos of people just falling and falling and falling, like, I'm like what are you doing this for? Like, quit. This looks like a nightmare. And then I'm like, oh, that's kind of. That's so true. Yeah, that's kind of what we do in comedy, too. Damn. You know, but it's very like, like you said, DIY, I guess is the best that way to yeah. put it. I guess now you can like shoot crowd work videos and put them on TikTok and shit like that. But back then, no, though, it's man. It's different, though, dude. It was word of mouth back then, too. Like, yeah. there's a new person in town. It's you, and you're doing this and writing for people. It's and you're on punk, and, and then... you're just like sh you're also just showing up. That's yeah. something else I love about like. Were you come? Were you watching people too all the time and going? Yeah, to oh, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I love about studying it. Even if you're not on the show, you show up to watch, which yeah. is like showing up to skate parks. It's just going like. See my friend's band play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like just yeah. the idea of like, I'm gonna show up to this park. It's fucking freezing out. It's raining. Took a two-hour train. <sighs> to just maybe break my neck <laughs> for what? Like with no promise in sight to that, no. how hard. And it's so interesting because just the insecurity that makes you a comedian, the idea of like, this could pay, like I'm going to make it Yeah. at all costs. You like, believed in yourself. There's no the plan B. No plan B. But I'm in a sushi restaurant yelling over a moat. Like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Having a podcast, good plan B though. Yeah, it's that nice. was not a thing back then, dude. That was, was not. It? You know what I mean? Yeah. Same with me. I'm in the same band for 30 years. Like, there's no retirement in my band. I'm in the same group with the same guys. 
There's no medical insurance. There's no crazy any of that stuff. You know that what I mean? That is the other thing with us. There's, there's no nothing. union. No comedy bands. Skate. I mean, they got the yeah, they got music cares now, which is kind of cool. They oh, help right. people get help. Like if they have rehab and stuff. I, don't know, but... I feel like every couple of years there's like a charity thing that's like raising money during the pandemic, raising money for the people. And, and I every comic I say, I'm like, did someone get that money? Where did that go? And everyone's like, yeah. Well. Every young comic's like, I didn't get a call. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right. So the writing really helped you too, also as far as in the stand up too. Like helped you financially and all that stuff too to get. Yeah, I mean, it all helped you. Yeah, yeah. I was like writing for other comics. Like I was really. It's actually harder for me to write for myself than it is for other comics. Like you know, I don't know if it's the same for like songwriters and stuff because you're kind of not like super emotionally attached to it. Yeah, you're just kind of like, like because you hate yourself and you're like, ah, I never pull that off or I can't say that or I don't know how to make that. But like other people, it was so easy for me to just like jukebox turn out jokes for them. Mm. So I would just like charge them for like a certain amount for like a page of jokes. Go out and see them and. Yeah. You know, and I also would never tell anyone who I wrote jokes for. Yeah. Do they want people to know they're getting jokes written for them? No, nah, most no. people don't. So then you did like Chelsea Lately, Comedy yeah. Central Rose, all that stuff. Uh-huh. They, they need to start grinding. But I, but I, I mean, me and my wife, one of our favorite shows is Two Broke Girls. Oh. And I didn't realize that was you for so many years later. I did not know that like you were a writer producer on there. It's, it was That's such nice. a great show, man. Yeah, I created it with uh, Michael Patrick King, who did Sex and the City. Yeah, it was yeah. such a great show, Cat Denny. He actually Beth. was a comic too. He used to open for Dom Herrera back in the day, and you know, to me, like that was a big show, man. Yeah, and it was like so many. We had so many comics on staff too, like legit, like Morgan Murphy. Oh, that's like, right. Yeah, had yeah. Had actual comics on there, so it was like the jokes were just like so. And Garrett Morris is he a comedian tough. too? He's a comedian yeah, he too, was right? on SNL back in the day. Yeah, he's OG. So that great. was such a that was such a great great show. Man. Thank you so much. We tried so hard to like you know it's CBS of all places like let us push it really it was, hard yeah 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 and like go rough yeah and those girls are still killing it now. Yeah, yeah, I really love sitcoms. I know some people think they're like corny, whatever, but it is really just a sneaky way to just stand up in front of an audience. And you're doing the Whitney show the same time you're doing Two Broke Girls? Yeah, same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that man. Was wild, dude. That that's was wild. that's a lot of work, man. It was a lot, um, you know, but you don't when your dreams start coming true, you can't be like, this is too much, you know? Yeah. So it was like, I had to really, it was very hard to split my time because I was, I was starring in the, in the Whitney one, obviously. So, and then I started doing a talk show the next year simultaneously. So I was trying to do all three and, you know, I kind of broke. I definitely got like adrenal fatigue and sure. fucked up my personal life and my life a little bit. But, um, you know, it's also, there's something that happens. I feel like when your life starts going really well there, it has to like, have some equilibrium both, for sure both my parents had strokes without health insurance like wow the exact same time so then it all of a oh sudden, my god kind of like put everything in perspective i didn't really like read reviews i didn't really like you know there was so much coming at me and i couldn't even like process i don't know if i would have that's okay not to read reviews right no i mean i think it's good i think yeah, it was like fuck. i was like on all these billboards and like all this like crazy shit was happening but i was like spending most of my time in like icus like sending scripts in like from nursing homes and wow. you know savannah like i i'm glad i got you know who knows what would happen if i was just like i'm the shit and i did all you know yeah you in that moment is that when you is that when you realize you kind of like not that you made it, but like I'm actually doing this. Like when those two things are happening at the same time, or before that was a moment where like I'm not gonna have a boss anymore. Like I'm not gonna have a re- regular job. I think for me, like when I got paid to do an hour of stand up, or mm. when people like that to me is when yeah. I'm like I've made. When people go, I'm gonna go pay money for her to do jokes. That's when I think I was like, okay, this is all I ever wanted. Yeah, this is what I wanted because this I can do forever. 
This yeah. other stuff will come and go. This other stuff, like I'm getting notes from a bunch of people telling me to say it this way and not do this and water it down. And like, I don't get to be myself. And like, I, like that was all really kind of confusing. All of a sudden you're like a boss of adults and like, you know, um, it was yeah. really kind of confusing to me, uh, that whole process uh, before I really understood how to do it and was comfortable being like very decisive and comfortable being a boss because it's like, you know, it's like Eric Zicklin, um, hilarious writer. He was on Frasier. He was like, when comedians get sitcoms, he's like, it's so crazy that you guys have to like be in charge, but like who else are you going to trust? It's like, it's like saying to someone like, you're really funny. Now run a seven yeah. <laughs> Eleven. Like it, it's all logistics. You're That's looking at budgets. You have to like fire people. Dang. It's like, whereas like you signed up, I just want to be loved. I just want to be liked. You're telling me I have to go tell someone that they're not going to have a paycheck next week. Or like, wow. I have to go do that. Like that's my nightmare. Yeah. That's brutal. You know? So, and then you have to give people feedback and say like, I don't like that. That's not working. You're like, ah, oh. like I sort of am this lone wolf who was doing everything alone because I, just I wanted to be liked and I you know didn't really know how to communicate with others particularly well and then all of a sudden you have like 400 employees you know and a lot of them project onto you you know I was very young at the time and you know it was a lot of big personalities a lot of you know being projected on you become like the the girl that wouldn't uh oh uh oh oh can uh oh we... uh oh this is gonna be amazing clash of the titans yo can you open the door Greg <laughs> Stella me Fred Look at Stella. Stella, come say hi. He's like, wait a second. Come sit out of Whitney, Stella. Stella oh, sorry. Come, you guys don't need to hear my dog. No, this voice. is cute. Stella, come sit out. Stella's not scared at all. Hi, Stella. Come sit out Whitney. Hi. I don't want everyone to have to hear my doggy voice. It's sorry. Stella, go say hi. Stella. Stella, go say hi. Who is that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'll take her out. I can take I'll take her out. I'll I'm going to pause for a second. This is awesome. Are you good on time when you're good? You chilling? Yeah, I'm good. I have a little bit. Of, I probably have to pee too. Let's go pee. Let's go pee. Okay, perfect. We're going to take a pee break, everybody. Pee break. We'll be back. Stella's back with a haircut. Hi, Stella. She came back and she uh, just met Frank. Um, I'm looking at my notes right now. He's probably scared of her. If you think so? Yeah, Stella's getting tough. Okay. Who is that? Who is that? Stella. We got we got the newer mouthy that's coming out, right? That's out now. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. your sixth one. Sixth special. Hi. That's exciting. It's pretty wild. It's actually like, you know, after, you know, doing every time we do a special, I don't know if you do this with like records, like where it's like you write one and you kinda like already have like the idea of what you're doing next, but you still you know, you still gotta like finish out the one that you're already making but i used to kind of like every time a special was done i'd be like all right what's my next special like thematically i would work on like themes and then be like yeah i want to talk about this but it doesn't fit the theme and i was kind of writing to write for specials instead of just writing yeah what i wanted to talk about and what i think people want to like yeah. you know necessarily like and so i was like after my fifth one i was like let me just write for me let me just like write for the clubs let me just write for like the theaters and stuff and like not worry about like crafting the perfect next special yeah um let me just like have fun and like you know yell about trans people for 30 minutes like shit that i would never go into an actual special let me just yeah. take some time off and then OnlyFans tv you know started doing uncensored comedy and was like do you want to do a special and i was like i don't have any material that i can really put in a special right now you know like all this shit's gonna get me in trouble and then i was like wait maybe that's exactly what i need to be putting i, I out. love it I love it because I saw it at the Le Bray Improv. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. I love everything you're talking about. I, yeah, it's really great. You're awesome, dude. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like those shows were weird and wonky and I was still kind of- But the response was great. I was in the crowd. Figuring it out. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I was still trying to like figure it out then, but I was just kind of like, all right, 
you know, this there's this new platform that is like letting us say actually be comics like on YouTube. Now you're getting demonetized if you say sex. Like, I mean, wow. yeah, if you say vaccine, if you say fuck, if you say shit, wow. you're, you get age restricted. So you're being censored. Yeah, basically. And then, you know. The thing that drives me nuts is like censorship, whatever. We get it. It's like pharma, yeah. pharma pays these bills, like Buick pays these bills. Like <laughs> yeah. I know why censorship happens, but then yeah. but self-censorship, that's what that's on us. Like comics yeah. we're like, oh, I'm afraid to say this because then I'll get in trouble. It's like we gotta get out of there. And I found myself doing that. I, was I, like, I can see that from the last special to this one. I can see the more rawness of it for real. And like I, I, and I shot it in the comedy store main room, which is like, I'm like kind of, well, you lost your voice too. I remember. Yeah, that's so. right. That's right. Which is probably better. Um, honestly, <laughs> the Reddit trolls won. Um, Whatever. Yeah, Whitney Cummings quieter. You got her. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that like, you know, it's interesting because people, pe Stop selling. people and comedy fans, they don't want us to play it safe. Like they don't want that, you know? And I was just like, I did like 90 cities or something. And people were just like, so excited about like me taking these like really big risks. I love it. And then I found myself being like, Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. And oh, it's going to get me canceled. And I was like, what the, who the fuck? Like, how did I let this shit get into my head, you know? And so it's a real thing though. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, but I think on YouTube and stuff like that, you, you know, you have to worry about like, what if it doesn't do well? And what if they take it out of the algorithm and only has 50,000 views and then you're embarrassed and you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so many sort so, of, so only fans can just live there. It's like, say, yeah, that's can awesome. live there. And like, like OFTV, like they're doing like, you know, these specials, you know, I'm their first like hour special, but they're doing these specials with like other comics that aren't. Cause like now it's like, it used to be like, you could get on Leno, you get on Letterman and you can like do five minutes here, 10 minutes and like get known right now. It's like, if you're not Tom Segura, Burke Kreischer, or Bill Burr, if you're not like, if you can't get an hour special on Netflix, which I'm really feel very grateful, like that I can, but so many comics that are great can't yet. Yeah. And there's no like comedy central anymore where you can mm -hmm. see like 10 new comics like doing. So they have these, like, it's called, uh, uh, LMFAO and it's like comics in every city like doing 10 okay. minutes you know what I mean so yeah. and then they they were so fucking awesome on the roast they let us say the wildest shit yes and so I was like yeah let's go why not that's awesome you know because I just heard after the strike too something with Netflix now or these other stations are going to have way less shows moving forward yeah I mean it was it was totally it, uh, I mean the bubble had to burst at some point there was just yeah. like way too much content like for a while and, you know, so much content but I think when it comes to comedy like there's no limit to how much comedy people want to consume like yeah. you know um, and TV comedy has gotten really just whack because yeah, they're man, trying to yeah. like appease everybody they're trying to make like social statements um, they're trying to like you know I don't I don't know like I can't, I I guess overly PC is the word, but also because it used to be that sitcoms and TV shows and, and TV comedies, like they'd be made, they would do 80 episodes in America, then it would get syndicated and exported to all over the world, right? Yeah. And now it's instantly exported all over the world. So the comedy has to appeal to every country, every language right away. And that's not how comedy works. Yeah. Like the office is so specifically American jokes, chilies, PT cruisers, like shit like that. Yeah. And They're like- trying to please everyone. Yeah. And then the reason it works is because they got to do 80 episodes, then it gets exported around the world. Then people go, oh, this is their number one show. It had time to get good. It had, now my dog's making noise. Sorry it's guys. It's okay. And, yeah. um, and so now it's like instantly we're going to try to appeal to everybody and therefore appeal to no one. And we're trying to like, 
I don't know, be champions of baby gender. I like, I don't, we're yeah. trying to like make social statements instead of just be funny. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so I think that more more people are um, watching stand up specials so that it can actually just see co fearless comedy instead of like. I think that bubble is going to burst soon too. All the cancel culture, all that stuff. Like, it's going it to backfire. It's yeah. gone so fucking far. I man. think it's... people just kind of use it as an excuse to not be braver or not be more successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't really hurt anybody unless they've done something like illegal. The thing, that actually I mean I actually talk about this in the special I think the people that are the most screwed by it are people that have like corporate jobs that aren't even in Hollywood yeah I love that part of the special we're all fine but it's like the person that got fired because their Facebook memories said 10 years ago today and they were dressed like a Native American at the Christmas party and they lose your, their job like that's the shit that I feel like those are the people that I feel really. I love that you talk about it too, and also like all like the Jack dudes with the beards and the cold plunges. <laughs> and and like, oh yeah, the delivering new, your mail, whatever it's normal in society. The new, like yeah, dude, the bro, like Goggins shit, like you guys in your. I like that men have eating disorders now. It's good. That feels fair. I definitely feel like I, I'm definitely. My wife calls me manorexic. I've definitely <laughs> been a weirdo about because I'm gluten free vegan, and I'm just like super like now I'm six days caffeine free. Ooh. No refined sugars. But is that like... I like to torture myself. It's really strange. Yeah, that's a little bit Because I'm already masochistic. straight. I don't do anything. It's a little masochistic. Do you get off a little bit on the like... But also there's something awesome about overcoming hard things. Like totally. that's very addictive and that's cool. Like to have that... Dis like you're addicted to achieving hard goals. That's cool. Yeah, I love I love that. I've always done that. Done weird shit like that's that. That's sick. Like cut things out that I really don't really need to cut out. And yeah. I do juice That's cleanses. like the most punk shit you can do is like <laughs> quick coffee. I'm like, what? I know. damn, this guy's hardcore. But do juice cleanses for no reason because I have like nothing toxic in my body really. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I just like to torture myself. But I don't know what I like to. a lot of sugar. Gabby Reese did a whole thing about how fruit juice is like. I just I do green juice. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. fruit juice. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like I used to drink like juice, thinking it was like healthy. It's like worse than soda, right? Do you have any uh, daily rituals? Daily rituals. This is so embarrassing. Um, I do pray. I pray. Nice. I get up, pray, get in the sun every morning. I started back on listening to Abraham Hicks. Okay. She's. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's not the secret, but it's like feel the feelings you want to feel and like practice that. Okay, I like that. Instead of being like, today's gonna be a nightmare and da da da. It's like actively practicing feeling good yeah. as a way to just, I don't know. So there's this like little morning meditation she does about it. That's and nice. I started like listening to that every day. I try not to be too over ritualized because, um, I did that for so long and it was kind of like a little bit OCD perfectionism yeah. and it actually I wasn't being creative I was like and then I gotta do this and then it's four o'clock and you've done all your ritual shit but no actual I'm writing. like that too I post it everywhere I do all that yeah shit. totally so I kind of just like try to keep things like a little bit flexible because like when I'm in production on something or when I'm touring I have to be so routinized and I'm yeah. like so like living by a schedule that when I'm not I try to kind of just enjoy my life a little bit yeah and you're a coffee person coffee yeah yeah being I'm, pregnant I'm, has been a little my new shit is black tea mixed with apple cider and Ooh, hot honey. That sounds kind of sick. Hot honey. Do you ever fuck around with hot honey and no. brags? Oh, you would. I'll send you a little recipe. Hot honey will fucking change your life. Put it in <laughs> with some some either apple cider or like hot like tea. Okay. Whoo! It burns a little bit. You'll start draining your sinuses. You're up. What about mud water? You heard of that? 
I do. Can I have. Can you send me some? I haven't tried I it yet. I have some of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a mushrooms person either, so. But. Yeah, it's a little. I don't. Like, I don't need to eat dirt. Yeah. About <laughs> Shout it. Shout out to Mudwalk. Do you know what I mean? Promo code Whitney. I don't know. Like we'll see. Like I don't know. I just I do do a little uh, water in the morning in a mason jar. I'll do the true niagen, mm. which is the NAD, um, with the what's the shit that's like salt fuck i can't remember the name of it it comes a little satchel mm. and then i try to do magnesium i do go i go hard on the supplements okay i do go hard on the i'm on my athletic greens i do those in the morning yep, yep. those are good yeah Some supplements well, they're not no longer a presenting sponsor so not, i i don't drink ag1 they're no longer what i'm kidding a okay. presenting sponsor oh, really? <laughs> I'm kidding. i do drink ag1 um so i do <laughs> i do i am liquid pretty, death yeah liquid death fuck yeah i am also more hardcore about like not about adding but subtracting like I don't drink out of plastic water bottles anymore. Respect. And I don't drink out of the fucking tap. And it's really hard. Respect. And it's an extra 20 minutes a day, probably. New York tap water is good, though, at the hotel. Are you sure? I mean, I, I lived there for a long I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But. I feel <laughs> like I would like to see some data. I'd like yeah. to see some data. Like, how can that be true? Yes. Oh, because RFK helped clean up the Hudson? I don't know about that. Um, we get real deep dive here on here. Dude, and we miss Lauren Hill, too. Okay, so here's the thing. She loves Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill is so important to me. I got in a car accident listening to Lauren Hill when I was 16, and I don't regret it. Um, wow. Yeah, and I here's the thing. I went and saw her at the club Nokia. I don't know, maybe seven years ago. She the show started at eight. She came on at 11:58 because I think she has in her contract if she doesn't go on by midnight, she doesn't get paid. Wow. I heard that makes sense. And like, I guess I just felt like I was like. Maybe she doesn't want to perform. And what she did in that show, I'm I, I'm so obsessed with her. Like, she did all the hits, but, like, in a reggae version. And everyone was really disappointed, not me. Because, it. like, they couldn't sing along to it. Kay. Like, Killing Me Softly, she did it as, like, a more, like, a reggae tune. It was really cool. Sometimes you gotta change it up. But yeah. everyone was pissed. Like, they couldn't sing along. They couldn't participate. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were walking out. A lot of people were leaving. Um, and uh, and I remember just being like, is this inhumane? Like, maybe she doesn't want to be performing. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's bored of these songs. Maybe she's bored. Maybe she doesn't want to be here. Like, I don't want to participate in, like, making my hero and, like, someone that I love so much do something she doesn't want to do. But then it was like, oh, the Fuji's reunited. Maybe this is like, whatever. Maybe she's doing that for those guys too. Who knows? And yeah. I think, I don't know. I might've been in Austin or whatever reason we didn't go. Yeah. And apparently she didn't go on for three hours. Again. Wow. Again, right? It's just a thing. I guess you have to know that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, that's what you get. But when I saw her the last time, people were like, my babysitter's leaving. I got it. Like they were just like, people were leaving. And um, that's rough. And I don't know. It's, it's, I, I watched this thing happen when working with Roseanne where I like she couldn't receive love, like no matter how much people loved her, she had to like say something or do something that would like piss people off. Just, I don't know if it's making your outsides match your insides. Maybe mm. it's a way of just like self-sabotaging so you don't work as much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being Lauren Hill must be a nightmare. It's just like that mm. much love coming at you, that much, much, maybe it just feels like pressure. I don't know. It's gotta be. That's, that, that's interesting. Do you know anyone that went? What? Do you know anyone that went? Um, No, I don't. Um, all my friends like, I was reading some of the things after that about how late she showed up to, but yeah. It's like, what do you do with that information? Yeah. How about, how about your baby? So it was a boy or girl? Boy. I thought, I mean, about, Ma I thought about Maximus coming. Dude, Maximus. My, my son's name is Maximus. Ma I, it's child abuse to name. You know, Maximus was my number one name. It was? Yes. Whoa. Yes. It's my number one name. Maximus coming. Max Cummings. It's pretty hard. Are you insane? It's pretty fucking. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. 
<laughs> we were gonna we're gonna name my son originally Nori Nori Morse oh, for Nori Morse. Oh, but it's, oh, that's but it's also fucked and it's also seaweed too. When you're in Japan, that's true. I, I'm really I'm all over the place. What about uh, Ian McCummings? <laughs> So Ian McFarlane, Ian McKay. You know what? This is uh, this could go either way. I don't know with you and your fan group. I actually really like Henry, and someone's like Henry. Hard, hard, dude. Rollins. Henry Cummings. Hey, actually, Henry Rollins is the only person I ever, besides Ellen, that, that was a different situation, but an audition melted down in front of him. Really? Melted. Was he cool though? He, he was lovely. I just melted down. It was a show. It was like a music show. This was twenty years ago. Got called into like audition to host wow. it, and he was in the room, and I just saw his neck. And the Hard veins, neck. the veins and shit. And I was like, I couldn't. You love him. I love him. Growing okay. up, like, that's my guy. Okay, so fun fact. My wife is obsessed with Henry Rollins. Same. She went to the fucking courthouse, whatever, and gave my son a middle name, Henry, without even telling me after my son was born. So, so my, my two names are Henry and Maximus. So my son's name is Maximus Henry Morse. No way. Yeah, my wife fucking loves Rollins. I got to go see him he, do his spoken word. He has a word. podcast. He, I guess he's got a... um an assistant that like makes up things just to keep him busy. Yeah. But he kills it though. Yeah. So the baby's coming soon. Little Henry Cummings. That's kind of Henry Rollins coming. But, but a lot of people, Henry Rollins Cummings is funny but a lot too. Of that's actually kind of fucking <laughs> sick, dude. Henry's like, pretty sick. Henry's good, but I think a lot of people think it's like a like kind of a pussy ass name. If you Henry's hard, I know. Bro. I also want to do Colt for a minute, and then Ooh. and someone told me Colt Cummings is like the most famous gay porn star. It is. Yeah, I know. Are you an optimist or pessimist? When does everyone go? Because you got PMA, which I'm is like, a realist. You know what PMA is? Positive mental attitude. Yeah, I think I'm an optimist in a way that's like delusionally wild. Yeah, you I can know? see that. Like, but you always believed in yourself from the jump. You never gave up, and you did your shit. You I, said you did what you you did what you said you were going to do to that manager. I it fucking happened. But I my first drug of choice was fantasy. You know, and I still do it. I haven't stopped doing it. Yeah. Like I just, I, I fantasize about like I, and I also like when your circumstances like or whatever you like have to stay in the optim. Like there's no other choice. The, yeah. Your choices are, and so I'm like delusional. I think I'm a pretty delusional person. Because I know you get dark too. You deal with depression, anxiety, and all that stuff. Of course, it happens. I don't like really identify as being depressed. Like, but I, you have been in your life, probably. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was told that like when you perseverate a lot, that's a form of depression. Like insomnia is a form of depression. That yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I kind of um. I think it's also growing around, up around animals, like so much. Like I live with horses, I would like sleep with them. Like being That's with her, fucking awesome. There's just no time, like, and and it's all about re being relentlessly present. And being depressed is like an it's like an energy expenditure that you're that kind of like. But I also have like workaholism. I think where I'm just like I gotta just like keep moving. Yeah, do you have to just chill? I'm working on. How do you sleep? How many hours of sleep? I've gotten better now. I mean, I actually am hardcore about sleep because I think my so important. I think my insecurity about getting older has helped me on that because I'm like I need to get eight hours so I don't look old, you know? Because I always, that. I just mean I've always had like really bad eye bags. Sometimes vanity helps you in some ways, like cheat or do something healthy for yourself. You know, it always makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah, and like I'm pretty because also doing stand up all the time. It's like, you know. I break my days into two days, you know, when I'm touring. So I'll do like a nap from five to six every day so that like you that's, wake up at 630 and you're like starting your day. That's fucking awesome. So I always like did that. So because I, I just couldn't perform the way that I needed to a second show being at 1030 and getting done by two. Are you afraid of getting older? 
I love getting older mentally. I love the daily clarity bombs you get, you know? I love it, man. I fucking love my 50s, man. I'm thriving, dude. I also like, I don't know. People always told me, they were like, you're going to look better as you get older. Like, and I, 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 people always thought I was older than I I was. Like when I was 25, I looked 40 and now I'm 40 and I feel like I look better than I ever looked. But I'm also not emanating this insecure energy, you know, all the time. Do you feel pressure? Like- being in the spotlight all the times to look a certain way or keep up with stuff or try to look younger because people love you for who you are they don't give a fuck about your age that's really nice you know what i'm saying people love you because you make them laugh and you and you created all these amazing things for people to enjoy like they don't give a fuck about your age yeah i don't i don't and if they do like i don't give a fuck about you like i'm just saying though you know know what i mean yeah i think that um you already have a career people love you for who you are do you know what i'm saying yeah i think that they're gonna try to see you look like Madonna all of a sudden. Yeah. No disrespect, because I love fucking Madonna, but like, yeah, she's I looking de- wild. That type of shit, you gotta. I, really, I love you, Madonna. I think for me, part of the reason um, I work so hard to combat aging in natural ways is yeah. so that that shit doesn't happen. Like, yeah. female comics, Joan Rivers, like, there's a little bit of a track record of going wild. We're just getting caught up in Hollywood and all that, and have to feel and like just this is- yeah, whack a mole. I just want to age with grace, and I want to go like, you know what? I'm just gonna do the sauna every day and yeah, be healthy and sleep well, so that I'm not injecting concrete into my forehead or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know. Um, but you're about to have no sleep soon later. once the baby comes. Your shit's gonna it's it's sleeping's rough, man. It's gonna be rough, but you'll be alright. Yeah. And also, just so you know, having a kid, they adapt to your life. Your life doesn't change. That's that's what I hear is the healthiest thing. So my friends like pretty much cutting us off before we even have my son, thinking we're never gonna see them again. But it's like, no, my son fucking traveled the world with us. That's it. As a baby, they adapt to your life. And that's it's like, the way to do it. You know what I mean? There's a great book called Hunt Gather Parent that's about that. It's not your job to entertain your kid and become a child for your kid. Like just they want to do what you do. Yeah. Also, you got the you got the good few podcast. Yep, we got my podcast. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's I'm working. It's on going it. great. That's so nice. It's going great. It's amazing guest. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's fun to it's, watch. It's a, it's you know it's just so funny how comics we like can't really hang out without monetizing it anymore. We just everything we do is for public consumption. Do you do it at your house? Yeah, yeah, I do it at my house. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's good. It's it's you know I don't know for me podcasting i'm a little bit like you know i want to take like a little bit of time off i banked a bunch of them me too just to make sure like you guys listening like we don't want to be boring like my biggest fear is being boring and it's like i feel like i kind of have to go out in the world and get some new stories and new perspectives and not just be this like doing this bad impression on myself because i started feeling like a little redundant Mm. so i banked a bunch and then i'm going to take like a full like month and a half two months off and then i want to come back fresh to it how many is banking for you because I talked to Rich Roll about this recently. He thinks I'm totally psycho, OCD, ADD. How many? You have a lot banked? Eight. Okay. I, I'm i banked. Yours is coming out like... Week. Oh, this your, one? Oh, Yours okay. is coming soon. I'm banked till June. I'll show you. I have a calendar. I have like 20-something episodes banked. Holy shit. I'm, I'm a savage. I can't stop. And I you let this. it out weekly? Yeah, once a week, man. <laughs> I'm so chill. I can go on tour. I do the fucking. That I'm ta- is fucking wild. I'm taking off the rest of the year after next Self-care week. Self care to the max. You know what I'm saying? I like. I like. But your energy is so. See, and this is part of the reason your podcast is so good because your energy is good. You're excited to be here. You take I'm time excited. off. Yeah, you I don't love make, this shit. Because like otherwise you start. Dry, you're just like, oh, I got to do the podcast this week. You don't want it to be nah, like that, dude. I fucking, I fucking love it. Um, real quick, Studio 66. You and that. That was fucking great. Oh, thanks. Uh, good morning. The accused. 
I went fucking physical. Of, I've done a lot. Yo, of physical movies. is a dope show. I yeah, love that fucking good, show. You on there? That's it's awesome. Gnar- it's a gnarly one. I have done a lot of movies with musicians. The Foo Fighters movie. Yeah. And the Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, Machine movie. Gun Kelly with uh, Shout yeah, out yes. to Matsan. That's my homie. We love Matsan. Um, and what about another book? Because you did a book in 2017. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I feel like we talked about this earlier. Like, there's only so much. I wrote a book before I had a podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now that I have a podcast, I'm like, I'd rather just give this shit out to people for free. This is really you. This is you. Yeah. That's what I love about this. You kind of get to a point where you're kind of like, how much money am I asking people to spend on my shit? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, come see me perform and buy my book. And here's my book. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot. Podcast. Like, I think you got to kind of go, like, I'm going to write a book when it's like, I have enough stories that only makes sense in book form yeah. like the book that i wrote was a bunch of stuff that i was way too ashamed to say on stage and it's got to be in a book because like you just read it when you're alone because i'm too embarrassed to say it on stage but now you could say it thinking about maybe it now. some of it yeah. some of it some of it must be therapeutic though for yeah sure. but it was like kind of like it was like my fourth step basically you know like as a book you've had a lot of therapy in your life um, I do mostly 12 step, but yeah, yeah, I've had like a therapist that's awesome, but she's 12 step trauma shit. But... I just started going to one too. First time, first nice. person, my whole family. Ever oh, gone. nice. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, I like it. There are bad therapists. There are therapists that will just let you rehash old self-limiting beliefs and re-embed your trauma more deeply. Like the one that I go to, she's like, you've talked about this enough. Or yeah. she'll go like, that's actually not what happened. Wow. Or like, no, you don't get to just call someone a narcissist because things got weird. Like she's very like, yeah. doesn't let me get away with shit and is very like, all right, we're doing no complaining for 30 days. Or like, oh, we're doing no apologizing for 30 days. Like she's, it's all about like, and cool. you're going to go do your fourth step again. Like I see a lot of people sometimes go to therapy and they get, weirdly get like worse for a while because they're sort of like, well, I have this thing and I have this diagnosis and my life was hard. And I'm like, this is just making you feel sorry for yourself mm-hmm. more or feel superior. Yeah. So I do think it's just important. Like there's bad doctors and there's bad all True. kinds of shit, bad chiropractors, bad whatever. Like, like, I think it's like, I, my thing is just like, find someone where you actually, your life starts getting better. Yeah. Do you feel like your life's in a good place right now in life? I think so. You're glowing. Really? Yeah. I'm sweating. Fucking pregnant girl. How many I'm months sweating. you pregnant now? What is that? Eight? Eight. Damn. I know. I'm excited for like the emotional maturity that comes with being a parent. Oh, it's fucking, it's dude, I get so, I was instantly emo shit i never cried about before i fucking cried every yeah. commercial all that shit i'm emo. excited to like do my childhood over a little yes bit. that's what it's christmas all i yeah. love that i'm a big kid anyway reliving all that shit is yeah. incredible it's man it's also just like as an artist like i remember you know um through the eyes of your child uh, yeah. donald glover uh childish gambino like Woo! we used to tour together he's awesome you did and, yeah and he's incredible like incredible artist dude writer producer but everything right in the beginning like he was like doing stand up. He was on Thirty Rock. He was, you know, rapping. But like, it was all great. You know what I mean? It was yeah. all great. He's like obviously just like a super talent Smart. out of the gate, super young. And then one day, I watch Atlanta, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude, dude. And then I see him on um, Fallon. Someone sends me a clip of him singing Redbone on Fallon. I thought it was Marvin Gaye, dude. I'm like, dude, what happened? Yeah. And he was like, I had a kid. You know, I think that like something creatively you level up, whether it's like you start understanding shit more, your bar gets higher, you manage your time better, you know, whatever it is. He's like, it just like unleashes this whole new level. I saw him backstage with his kids at uh, Tyler, the creator show this weekend. He was holding his kids' hands. It was so cute. He's the family and shit. He's the best. He's so funny because he has, whatever, when you have him on, you'll talk about it. But he would, um, 
He was like, he's like, yeah, I didn't have a lot of trauma as a kid. Like my dad, like my biggest trauma is he would drop me off at school and kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> you know, like he had love, but still, you know. I'm excited for you to become a mom now. Thanks, dude. Especially with your child and everything you're talking about. I That's think you could so be really, nice. you could be really awesome. I hope so. Do you want to get married someday? Yes. Not weird. I've never done anything in the order people do them in. <laughs> and I don't, ugh, white trash till I die, dude. But yeah, I'm I very, love it. I just don't think I was marryable until recently like i just i watched my mom like be a gold digger and be in all these bad relief like i just Damn. i want to make sure that i worked to become the person that the kind of person i wanted to be with would want to marry and someone that you know wasn't gonna botch like i just have had perfectionism about it like let me not drag well, we're not perfect yeah but let me not drag someone into something before i like really am capable of love and yeah. so i just wanted to heal all my shit before going like Marrying this person will solve my problems, yeah. you know, and go like, no, I'm going to solve all my problems on my own and let me show up to something super complete and yeah, that's nice. like be ready to be a like wife. Like I'm down with that traditional. I'll be waiting when you get home. I'll cook you. Food. But I had to like accomplish a bunch of goals first. Of course. You did a lot. You accomplished a lot, man. Yeah. So now I'm ready to be a you hopeless romantic. <sighs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. What else is there? Yeah. Why not? What's the downside? No, it's, it's true. You're I'm, wrong every now and then. So yeah. we're wrong. Always wrong. I, I, I'm so happy. I've been married 28 years. That is so Met my wife sick. in D.C. at a show in 1992. I was so with a, crazy. Yeah. I'm very fucking lucky I can be a big kid and travel and play music. And she's traveled the world with me. And we're best friends and all that shit. Like, that is the sickest. Just made one son. That's it. One and done. That's all you need. Mm. I'm very lucky. That's from punk rock, too, though. You know what I mean? Does so, anyone want to marry a girl with a kid, though? We're going to find out from this podcast. <laughs> Do you still go to bed watching jellyfish videos? Is that true? <laughs> Yes. Is that true? It's the screen, the Apple screensavers. I um, love the Apple screensavers. And jellyfish just happen to be particularly soothing. I love the shit. But it's the only thing that scares me is fucking jellyfish is the yeah, irony. Is yeah, this is horrible. Floating chandeliers full of poison. Um, <laughs> but yes, I love just watching. Like People watch like TV to go to sleep, but I like to watch the Apple screensavers. That, that's, I like to try that. What, you still have your pig named Joe? I do. He's in Texas, though. Wow. Yeah, he lives in Bestrop, Texas. Do you still keep your friendships by like muting your friends i love that <laughs> that's the best shit i've ever I, fucking absence read. makes the heart I, fonder dude i kind of like that and i have some friends on mute too you i'm not gonna say their names i love you guys when i see you it's different i have shit to ask you whereas mm. if i've seen you at the pumpkin it's patch, not because they're doing cringy shit it, it's that too okay let's I, keep it a buck way, i hope all my friends mute me because i'm doing cringy shit out there <laughs> literally i every time i post all i do is think about like is chris rock gonna see this is Chappelle gonna see this is david tell gonna see this and then i'll like i would never post if i thought comics actually followed me so i hope my friends mute me because we're it's not so funny dude. We're, dude we're doing it for fans we're doing yeah. it for comedy fans i'm not doing, doing it for this, the gram yeah i'm not doing this for my friends like please unfollow me is I always, there stuff that you posted Regretted that you posted that's out there in the world? Yes. I recently just deleted a ton of shit um, just from the pandemic when I had blue hair and I was being wild. Blue hair was cool. I remember we had that. Yeah. 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 Like blue hair, pink hair, red. I was just like. The you, you were going wild. Well, I, Rod, okay. Stuck in your crib. Dude. Uh, Dennis Rodman was a very big influence on me okay, as a performer. <laughs> and I remember because I was a big basketball player. I, I just very into basketball. I remember watching me like this motherfucker is defense. You're, 
He's like, Badass, I dude. am going to entertain you, motherfuckers. You I'm did. gonna have blue hair, I'm nose piercing. Be, I'm gonna wear a wedding dress, like super punk. He took being an entertainer so seriously. True. And I remember during the pandemic when people are just scrolling, scrolling, and everyone's like, stay inside, put a mask on. We're all dying. I'm like, I'm gonna be a fucking. Ma- I'm gonna entertain you guys. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna be a clown and. <laughs> You know, of a lot of people thought I had like a meth addiction or something. They did? I mean, or whatever. I don't know. You can't really have a, like a blue hair in your late 30s Come as on, a woman. Man. You're trying to say a midlife crisis or something? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, you guys were in a pandemic. Everyone's in a crisis. Do you really duct tape lights at hotels? Oh, yeah. Still? Always. I'm like, see. now I do a pretty good job. I can actually just like take a menu and lean a pillow on it. You know what I mean? Because it's like the red Duct light. tape's, in, that's intense. Yeah, it's kind of I really just like went. travel with it just so I have it. Wow. Yeah. And you were really Edward Furlong fan? Oh my god! I watch his videos now. What he's what? just on YouTube, like he's going to like all these signings and stuff. He's like it's really different. Really, dude. I mean, remember when he um stole the lobsters? He freed <laughs> the lobsters out of some restaurant. No, ah, uh, dude. American child, History X. He was so child acting should be illegal. But you were a big fan of his. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I used to write letters to him constantly wow. when I was a kid. I also know Harpy Harper's Ferry. I've been there before too. No way. I know it's your favorite place to go. I remember yeah, being my there dad a managed kid. a hotel there yeah. called Hilltop House, Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. And you carry a hammer in your car in case it's like a dog <laughs> that's overheating. <laughs> I have one of those too. I have like an actual dog hammer thing. It's cool. How many people leave their dogs in hot? You cars? rescue a lot of dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't as much anymore. I almost lost a thumb. My ear was bitten off. Like I'm a mess. Um, but yeah, now that I have a kid coming in, I can't. But no dog tattoos. I don't want to get dog no, tattoos. You know what I want to? I have my horse's name here. I have on my foot one of my dogs. Like I love in her uh, initial. But I really want um, maybe I Doctor Wu. I really love in Bang Bang. They both do really great like portraits. I yeah, small do that. ones they do. Yeah, yeah, I want to do that at some point. You gonna do it? I think so. I'm not supposed to do it when I'm pregnant, even though I'm really itchy. Really? Yeah, yeah, because of the ink, or there could be an infection. I don't know. I don't fucking no. I know. Did you really break your shoulder snowboarding? On I a did. Date? This one. Fractured Damn. it long ways, tore my, I know, trying to impress a man. And you love bees. Love bees, dude. Who, yeah. who doesn't love bees? I mean, you gotta I just want to get stung by one. That would suck. They don't really want to sting. Uh, they, Do you have bee, if bee they, farm? If they sting you, they die. Did you wear that big outfit and go into a bee thing Beekeepers? before? Beekeepers? Yeah, I've you done did? that. Before. I have done that. There's wow. a place in Silmar where you can do that. There's I a just, great bee doc, too, about bees going extinct. There's yeah, a bunch no, of it. No, no, it's no, no. so fucked. sad. We're, we're fucked, man. dude. Bees are incredible, dude. They can do amazing, amazing shit. I'm kind of just obsessed with them in general. And you collect um, creepy old ho- holy water bottles? I do. I, this sick. is your, me, I, me and your wife are the same person. You totally are, yeah. man. Rollins, I gave my holy water ones to Kesha because it's very her, but I love old like apothecary bottles, like shit like that. The one thing that tripped me out is you like um, bartered popcorn jelly beans. That's kind of wild, dude. You know, that was a phase. Um, jelly bellies or something? Jelly bellies. Yeah. I like the the very cherry ones and the prickly pear are my favorite. <laughs> but the butter popcorn ones and the peanut butter ones that I think are the most polarizing. Sure. I fuck with. But also Tootsie Rolls are my favorite Halloween candy. Ooh. I know. Damn, I fuck with Tootsie Rolls. Trash. Too. And candy corns. I love candy corns. And they make vegan ones now. They're actually uh, vegan by default, uh, actually. No, they were. Okay, nice. Yeah. Were you ever vegan before? I tried. It's hard for you because you're a big animal lover. That's why. Yeah, but I, and also I had like eating disorder stuff, and when you get into that, it gets a little bit slippery. I know I'm fucking starving myself thinking about eating cardboard after this. Um, and you put lotion on yourself every time you go to the bathroom. Usually, I do grapeseed oil. Before. You have good skin though too. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. I try. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so I just try to rehydrate in the middle of the night. I have a severe OCD. As well. I love I'm it. Learning from this. Well, so Mouthy's out. It's out. It's on out. OnlyFans TV. Six special. 
You enjoy. can hit up Whitney on social media. She might respond to you. She By might not. By the way, the special's free. You're not going to spend three ninety nine to subscribe to some weird-ass fucking platform that bills you every month and you can't get out of it and you're just fucked forever. It's yeah, free. I do that too. Like, I'll pay for something just to watch something and I'll get rid of it. Why am I still paying for Hulu Plus $12 a month? Like, I haven't... It's you know, expensive, drives man. me nuts. Why am I still paying for CISO and quit? All these shits are canceled. They're... <laughs> Uh, it drives me nuts. I go through my credit card bill. What I do? Peacock, also, all the shit. Apps, dude. Apps that you signed up for. I have like I was paying eighty dollars. All a, those Apple receipts out of nowhere. It's a crazy. Year for some hiking app that showed me hiking trails. I'm like, I guess I. The, do you hike? No. <laughs> I was like, this is like an app for serial killers or where to go bury bodies. I mean, I did during the pandemic. I was trying to like go on hike. I yeah. Downloaded it like during that time, but not for eighty dollars. It's crazy how much Apple. Shit, I'm paying per month. I mean, but the fuck it bank, is. But they bank on the fact that you're gonna forget to I know. cancel it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Do, I know. Do you, do you respond to negative comments? No. Do you let that bother you? Like one negative comment out of a thousand good ones. I think negative comments only kind of hurt if you agree with them. It's a great fucking point. I think it's that. If someone's like, "Your fourth special was so much funnier than your third," I'm like, "You're right." That's if you agree with it. Yeah, That's correct. That's a yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, or like, you're, why are you yelling during this joke? I'm like, you're right. I was yelling. That's I. I but you know, you know, they bother you. Fuck your day up. Mm. Bad reviews and all that shit. Because you seem you're we're artists. We're sensitive. Yeah. We're fucking insecure, sensitive people. Yeah, but it's also our job to know when you're on the clock and when you're not on the clock, and it's also your job to like understand human nature and know that a lot of people are addicted to self righteous indignation and they mm. use celebrities as punching bags. It's like it's like when you're like with your you know your guy friends and you're like they're like Jessica Alba like not that pretty and you're like really yes. really yeah so if jessica alba yeah. wanted to sleep not interested like we know what we do when we do that yeah you know what i'm saying true and like there's times that like i'll hear a great song for the first time i'm like i don't get it and then a month later i'll be like this is a fucking joke okay, i didn't get it at first you yeah. know what i mean it's like not yeah. everybody has to get you but also anyone that goes out of their way to make a negative comment like that person's I love that you, you have tough skin. Obviously, I know your story now. You have very tough skin about that shit. You've heard shit. You know what I'm like, saying? Also, when people leave a negative comment, like I think they're getting something out of it. They're getting a hit of self righteous indignation. I know how I, I feel when I judge someone. I'm like, yeah, and I, that, because I'm perfect, like that. And, yeah, and it's like, okay, I signed up to make people's day better, and. I guess I don't get to control how I did. So maybe someone's day just got better because they got to shit on me. Like, okay. That's a great fucking point. Maybe I just like made them feel a little better for a second because they got to be like, she's not funny and I am. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm glad yeah. I could help. <laughs> I love that. You try to, st you, you, are you on your phone a lot? Yeah. You ever check your hours and shit on there? I, I, it's don't, fucking. Don't attack me. Because we're like adults. Like, you're about to have a kid. I'm a dad. Uh -huh. It's like, we should, uh, it's it's crazy. a tricky, it's a tricky addiction. But like that's how we make, that's how we promote, that's how we make our money, that's yeah. how we. It does help to put my phone in grayscale. What does um, that mean? It's when you put your phone in grayscale. I don't remember exactly. Just like look it up online. <laughs> it just makes it less sexy. It just makes your whole phone be black and white. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's really good. It stops with just like the mindless, because like the reward center of your brain like wants the color, wants the. It's like this, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's just it's extension of the human body. That's what our Steve yeah, Jobs really said he is. wanted it's to create. Yeah, it really is. It's an appendage at this point. So shut up. You were in the podcast. <laughs> well, Whitney, thank you so much for your time. You. Thanks for having this me. This is so fucking fun. Check out our special OnlyFans. Stella, you're fucking fired. Frank, thanks for <laughs> Frank, you're so amazing. You chose her the whole time. Oh. But yeah, appreciate you. you too. Thanks, dude. Bye. Love you, bye. 
I've always loved sweets. That's why I have um, a thousand gold teeth and I had cavities my whole life. But I always love cookies. And being a vegan and being gluten-free, it's extremely difficult to get a cookie that actually tastes good. Most of those cookies are super, super dry. Until I found Maxine's Heavenly, uh, you probably see me post about them. They're incredible. They're gluten-free. They're vegan. They're made with no refined sugars. You can get them in Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, Amazon, Maxine'sHeavenly.com. And if you're in LA, you get my favorite restaurant, Green Tables, carrying them. Uh, you can also, if you're in LA, get Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Chow Now. Super, super great company. Amazing people working there. The cookies are insane. I can eat a whole bunch of them, not like you're supposed to. But I don't feel groggy and like bloated and I have that sugar crash. And every month, you should sign up for the mailing list because every month you get exclusive flavor drops and the cookies get delivered right to your house. So shout out to Maxine's Heavenly, my new sponsor. I have a cookie sponsor. I can't believe it. How old am I? I'm 53 and I'm promoting cookies because I love cookies still. I'm a big kid. Vegan, gluten-free, no refined sugars. If you listen to the Travis Barker episode, me and him talked about our love for Maxine's Heavenly's as well. Great cookie. If you're a vegan and you're gluten-free, there's no other cookie to have. Maxine's Heavenly. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com, go to shop, use my code OLLC, and get 25% off your first order. That's 25% off your first order. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com, use my code OLOC. Enjoy. These cookies are straight crack. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other, and that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card, don't really tell me much, didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen, so I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm looks like a big black blob, is now super light, I've had two sessions, I have a long road ahead of me, none of this stuff happens overnight, you cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting, you have to be patient, and it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art Picoway laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos, from day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TobyH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.